Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Pod podcast, pod podcast. Pod podcast, pod podcast. Pod podcast, pod podcast. I knew it. What else am I going to do? I don't know. I Yell and scream? Yeah. And run around the room? Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, I've seen this movie once before. Okay. Ooh. I, I this saw is one it, of the only ones you have seen prior. Correct. I saw it when Fox released it on home video in a fake Disney white clamshell. Yes. Right. With a, 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 a not a good dub. It was a, only a bad dub. dub. It was right. only dubs. There were no subs. Right. No, All dubs, no subs. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't own the Japanese. Uh, David's holding up a no bits phone case. Oh, you're in trouble. Uh, this episode, Davy Sims. There's going to be some bits? There's going to be. When J.D. Amato's in town, <laughs> oh, oh. the bits come rolling in. Hey, oh. blanket. Thank it. Don't touch me. I haven't puked in months. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wait, wait. Before we even talk, let's Puke do update. We have to do a, a health update. Okay. Oh, my. I was going to say, I know, I know Ben's not feeling great. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm fine. Okay, it's just like some prescription. You had a bad you're, night. You had a bad night. Yeah. Yeah. You're having a, a a prescription transition. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're, like, you're like you know you're from going from one port to another port in a storm. So it's a little mm, like yeah. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm getting off antidepressants, and That's sometimes not it. it's uh, not fun when sure. uh, you're in between pills. And yeah. You feel like your head is falling off. Oh, you're not gonna puke any putine. Nope. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. David, how are you feeling? Um, well, when I was on vacation, I uh, hurt my back at one point, like lower back. How'd you hurt it? Who knows? You know, bending to pick something up. Doing dialogue? I think there's, <laughs> I think there's a story it, here. It David's was, not telling it. It yeah, was that. Cl- so. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I like it was one of those classic <laughs> things where I'm like bending to pick up a bag and then suddenly I'm like, why am I in like insane amounts of pain? Yeah. You know, and like you have to like sit down and you're like. Why isn't it going away? I right. I have no frame of reference for this. Um, is it better now? Yeah, yeah. So but it's you, still you like just a told twinge. something. Okay, it's just a little. Um, bit. yeah. If it if it persists, I will. I guess go to an orthopedist or whatever. Have you ever gotten a good massage? Um, yes, not in a while. I'd love to get one. Like a good massage. Like, like a, a good massage. <laughs> uh, Ben's doing the uh devil horns. Devil horns. Yeah. Okay. I I just I just got a good <laughs> massage and I had not. Uh, gotten a massage in 10 years. Okay. A, because I was like, it feels like, yeah, I don't know, it's like too fancy. And also, I was like, I don't want anyone touching me. Oh, you see, I'm fine with the touching, but yeah. you know. It was a, both a, things combined, like, but I was an like, extravagant. man, this yeah. is really, really a, a pleasant thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, my, I think you got to go for the, whatever, the 80 minute, 90 minute. Oh, the true, like, experience. Yeah, because they have once, the cold stones yeah. and the hot stones. There's that cold one. I just do the one that's, I, when I, if I, I get that's a massage. Why I, I got a cold stone creamery massage. <laughs> yeah. They put mixins into an ice cream on my back. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were, like, mushing the cookie dough in. Yeah. And the only <laughs> on my vertebrae. And if you tip them, they sing a song yeah. about your happy body. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I've never been to cold stone creamery. Really? Uh, never. Are you not an ice cream guy? Not an ice cream guy. So it's wow. never. I mean, like I'll get ice cream, but like I, I don't seek it out. So I hey, feel like slab it, dab it. Uh, sure. <laughs> You've heard Randy's bit. <laughs> slab it, dab it. JD like that. You've heard Randy's bit about Cold Stone Creamery. Randy right? Newman. Coldies? No, Randy, the stand-up that everyone loves. 
Oh, you mean uh, like from funny people? Like Randy. Yeah. You know what's uh, crazy though? Because sure. people talk about joke theft all the time. Aziz Ansari has that exact same bit. Aziz Ansari has that exact same personality. It's weird. It's almost like hmm. well, no, no, but it was a parody. It was a it was a parody of a type of a comedian. I just think it's a funny thing that Aziz had these jokes right. at the time. He was a low energy comedian. Right. Then he did Randy, which was his parody of. An energy comedian. Yeah, it was a parody of Dane Cook. But he right. used his own material. Right. And, and then, then people loved Randy, and he was like, what if I deliver all my material This is like my this? thing. Oh, I'm so famous. But instantly. He used his own jokes to play a comedian who's shitty. Yeah. But mm. don't we all, don't we all sometimes <laughs> that sentence. take a parody of ourselves, yeah. and it's truly what we hope to be. Yeah. Oh, you mean like sort of an aspirational thing? Yes, it's a, it's yeah. a way to test the waters for a version of yourself that you don't have the, the the boldness to achieve in the moment. Yes, I found a vehicle for that. It's called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Hell it's a yeah. podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their career in a given series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion products they want, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they ride the cat bus baby right. into the woods. <sighs> a, a breath. Of air. This is got okay. First and foremost, this is Meisters on the films of Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, okay, go. It's called Howl's Moving Podcast. Yep. Is it or Podcastle mm-hmm. in the Sky? No, no. It's Howl's Moving Podcast. That's what the fans chose. Cagliostro. The fans chose Howl's Moving Podcastle. I wanted Podcastle in the Sky, but they went with uh, Howl. Okay. Or Pod's Moving Castle was the other idea. Mm, sure. Yeah. I thought Podcastle was just like. He's got three castle titles. Yeah. It's nice if you can keep podcast intact. We rarely have that opportunity. Right. right. Yeah, right. I agree. I agree, too. That's why I wanted Podcastle in the Sky. But I, it's a little vague. Yeah. And Hell our podcast like is it. not in the sky, but it is sometimes about the sky. Yeah. I also think my podcast, Totoro, would be good. Would it, though? Is that, is that what would that yes. be good? I think my podcast, Totoro, would have been excellent. Or my neighbor, Podocast. My mm. podcast Get neighbor, worse. Totoro. <laughs> Podcastoro. <laughs> This is like like a trend line on the graph. Yes, Zero dollars. Oh, I mean, do you have more left to do your thing? The opening? No, we're 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 here, of course, with JD Amato. I'm JD Amato, and I love movies. Blanket. Thank it. Is this five or six? I mean, well, you know what? Let's get into this. Yeah, because I feel that I have been. Tossed around like a rag doll. Oh, right. so you already in the waves. did all this to me the other day. Yes, but now this is on the record. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> it's been a stressful time. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, really. I get put on. I've been. I've been scheduled to do. Okay. There's a, there. There's a secret podcast. We already talked about that. This is your eighth podcast if you include Corpse Bride. It's my eighth. No. There's no way. Yeah. Digital filmmaking. Okay. One. War of the World. Two. Speed, Speed Racer. Racer. Three. Starship Troopers. Four. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Five. Talking the Walk 2018. Uh, Corpse Bride. Six. This. Seven. Oh, okay, did I say eight? Yeah. yeah. All right, I was counting wrong. Okay. Okay. Does Do the Patreon episodes count? Well, I think they kind of do. It's sort of nominally another show, but like it kind of counts. Here's what I think. Can I tell you my theory? Yeah. Okay. When you go on to like the Wikipedia, uh, most SNL, like most frequent SNL hosts. Sure. There's like Paul Simon up there. Sure. And they're like only hosted like three times, but then a musical guest like mm. this many times. Mm. Like I feel like it's a bracket thing where I go yeah. like six pure appearances. 
well, plus I, one Patreon. Well, you know? I, I felt that I was put in a bracket in that situation because I was for I was I was put I was put to. into a, a golden bikini and dragged <laughs> on Jabba sail barge and forced to perform. No for, objections from me. Forced to perform for all of your. Uh, if someone could get on a Photoshop with that uh, post haste, that'd be great. Thank yeah. you. Aristocrats. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You didn't like us. Uh, Putting you behind the paywall. Uh, and now paywall. I'm here back with the people, the okay. real people. Right, and there's your blank check that you want to cash, your your sort of crazy passion project episode, which will be coming out in 2020. It's on, 2020. It's on the spreadsheet, baby. I work for the art form. I work for no man. And I love that. And I, I honestly appreciate that. <laughs> and, and When Ben I says wish... he loves that, he doesn't mean it. Yeah. He yeah. means that he doesn't for love For me, that. I love that. But I just got to say that, unfortunately, it's got to be postponed. And I did it the it's, best I it's could. It's happening next year. It's yeah. happening next year. You know what? We're nope. here. Well, I'll talk to him. Oh, All right. Okay. I would love We're here to, to talk about my neighbor to Totoro. Yeah. Come on. This is so arcane, guys. Well, we knew this <laughs> was... What? Already? Okay. You know what? Oh, Jesus. He's I'm, mad at me. I'm instituting a rule for this episode. If I ever feel like David's hurrying us along, I'm going to... I'm going to record something later that Ben will have to put in <laughs> to extend it. You don't have that power. Yes, I do. I mean, he does. <laughs> I he does. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, he does. Yeah. And insert clip here. Why are you calling me, JD? What is this? David, I feel like I let you guys down. Oh, Jesus. I've been up all night for the past several weeks. Just, <laughs> I, feel like I, I feel like I blew the episode, David. I like Should I, I have it. not texted you a couple weeks ago saying, like, oh, yeah, the episode's a disaster, but don't worry about it. Any favor that I did myself with the Billy Lynn episode, I think I've thrown right. in the garbage with this episode. Yeah, but that's great, isn't it? Like, it's sort of, you're you're like Ben Affleck. It can be, like, sort of rise and fall, rise and fall, right? You're like you, too. Yeah, but here's the you thing. Know? I just, I love... This is, like, rattling. This is your rattling hum. But <laughs> then you're going to surprise us all with an octane baby. Oh, but I just love My Neighbor Toter. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I feel like I didn't do okay. it a service. Hey, look. Because I love it. This is, this is the way the business goes. For anyone listening at home, this is genuine. I know. This I, isn't some. I mean, it is a weird JD bit, but it's also genuine. Well, here, I just—it's my one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm glad you love it. I love it too. It's very good. Oh. Ben seemed really stressed out when I saw him yesterday. That's always a good sign. It's stressed out by the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. He was basically like, "I want to cut this, 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 and this," referring to like four sections of the podcast. And we were like, "Oh, uh, sure, cut some of that, not all of it." Yeah, I just and I love you, JD. You're doing fine. Thank you, David. The fans love JD. Yeah, I think they're not going to love me after this. I think they're going to be mad that I didn't do a service to Totoro. Oh, don't apologize. Who cares? You're donating your time to us. This is the whole thing. People like get mad at the guests sometimes, and I'm like, you understand, like. They are putting themselves out. They are giving us their time. They're watching a damn movie, sometimes more than one movie, and like coming to the studio and putting up with our nonsense. Like it's it's a it's a service. We thank you for your service. Well, I'm sorry, David. I'm sorry that I've done this to your Totoro episode. Jesus Christ, you gotta relax, man. <laughs> You're doing great. We're all doing okay. Well, we just got to cling on to the people we love, you know? It's a tough time in the world. I agree. I love you, David. Love you too, buddy. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for this phone call. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Wacko. Uh <sighs>
<laughs> that was that was me explaining. I, now it's going to be a clip of me explaining my favorite Jackie Chan movies. <laughs> so there. Now we're back from JD's Jackie Chan movies. All right. Should I get that um, police story JC's. criterion? Uh, I think so. I yeah. have it. It's great. I, I want to get that. All right. We agree. Oh, I got to make a note. I got to record this. Uh, these Jackie Chan. You know, we talked a lot about recently. Go ahead. The live action, no CGI, no makeup Donkey Kong film we want, starring Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh my I god! That was no makeup as well. He has to do it, Elephant Man. Wait, it's Elephant Bradley Man, Bradley Cooper right, style. Right, right. Wait, so the, wait, so this is Russell Crowe. It's Russell Crowe. Will just he will just be Donkey. He gets the you know tie. I mean? We give him the tie. We give him the tie. He can have a banana. He can have a barrel. He can ride a swordfish, which is something he does often. Uh-huh. Uh, in the video game, uh-huh. I'm trying to think of other Donkey Kong things. But he can pound the ground. We're not doing this Lion King style. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. This yeah, right. No Lion King. No mocap. No, no Jim Henson creature shop. <laughs> but also, it's like we're also not doing this uh, movie style where they uh, put makeup on. They've been doing that for about a hundred years, yeah. and we're like, no, no. So here's the question to you. Is this going to be a fully naked Russell Crowe? Oh, he has to be naked? The tie is going to be very long. In a red tie. (laughs) So it's like Beowulf where it's always blocking his genitals to the extent that you're sort of like can only think about how it's blocking his genitals. It's like the opening of Spy Who Shagged Me. (laughs) No, it should be be attached to his wiener. (laughs) Okay. Tied around. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. And who's playing Diddy Kong? I forgot. I forget. Someone will whoever tell. Whoever said Miles Teller, whoever's, yeah. you know, whoever's uh, always on those lists. What's his name? Harry uh, Styles. Big Head? Big Head. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, no, no. Diddy Kong's head's not that big. This is what I was going to say. What are you talking about? I mean, compared David. to Donkey Kong. What the fuck are you talking David. about? David. Kip, re- David. Not compared to Donkey Kong, relative to the size of his body. Diddy David. Kong? Diddy so. Kong's got a big old head. The rule of thumb is that most people are like five or six heads tall, right? Yes. Or more? If you remember, Diddy the- Kong is one head tall. No. What are you talking what about? Two, two heads tall. Two heads about? tall. David. Two heads tall. What the fuck are you talking David. about? Jesus Christ! Look at how big his head is. How little his In- body is. Griffin, this man's a journalist. This is insane. This the Atlantic hires <laughs> you. Not only am I a journalist, a, a paper of record. I'm that- the one who is planning to do a Donkey Kong podcast on this feed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Donkey Kong motherfucker. No, I'll tell you who has a big head. Ooh. Oh boy, here he comes. Pat Sajak? Oof, Baby Kong. Oh. That's Wait, a big old I, David, I would argue Baby Kong's head is smaller than yeah. Diddy Kong's I would argue no. they have almost identical no. proportions and if anything. No. What you're he's got looking big at, arms. He's got big arms and a big belly. The head is bigger. It's, it's not. a big not head. True. Not true. Diddy Kong has a more insane head-to-body ratio. What I was going to say is, I, it's crazy we've been doing this podcast for over four years. Right. David, you and I have been friends for like five or six years now. Oh, yeah. And uh, I didn't realize until this Maybe moment in time that you're literally the dumbest person alive. <laughs> Number one this dumb This is a very hostile to David podcast so far. Here's Considering the- it's about one of the gentler movies ever made. Well, also, this, this, this is revenge for... That's multiple recordings where I've come in and you've been on. You've been in a mood. It was just Ugh. one. And no, you already a- litigated that on another appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to litigate it again? <laughs> I think that was like the Starship Troopers episode. And then like the Billy Lynn. We had to have half an hour talking about that. You were in such a mood. You made me vomit. <laughs> no, I know what made you vomit, my friend. <laughs> Your a mood. certain dish of French fries and gravy <laughs> that you had at a certain Brooklyn bar. Okay, this is what I was going to say. We call that the French special. 
<laughs> the Dauphin. Police Story 2. Hey, please, take that name out of your mouth. Sorry. Police Story 2 ends with essentially a live-action version of the original Donkey Kong. Like where Jackie Chan is and, on like yes, ladders right. and rafters avoiding barrels that are being thrown 100%. at him. It's a good format. Fucking rules. It's a good visual adventure format. And here's yeah. the second thing I'm going to say now. JD, yes, perhaps we've taken advantage of our friendship with you, your loyalty to the podcast, your popularity with guests, and flipped you around a little bit, tossed you around a little bit. But we did say like six, seven months ago, we were like, Miyazaki's on the books. Yep. This is exclusive. That's true. No one knows this yet. You get first crack at any Miyazaki you want. No one has put in for any Miyazaki. You get to pick anyone. Yes. And you said, I can do Totoro. And I said, it's yours. My Neighbor Totoro, I believe, is the greatest animated film of all time, in my opinion. Wow. Um, and as much as I'm doing bits in this podcast, and I've got a table of contents about 10 items long that have nothing to do with this movie, mm-hmm. I, this movie, I believe, is one of the most wonderful movies of all time. It is my... I have an official top 10 that I've formed. Mm-hmm. Sure, you're it's, like, your top 10. It JD's sits, top 10. It sits on my wall in my apartment, it, it, okay. like a blockbuster stack. Oh, so condition. like you have it, like the, the DVDs or yes, whatever, like yes. arranged. Can okay. I see how many of them I can guess? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Labyrinth? Okay, so I have two different lists. Oh, oh you have like you. a favorite right. and a best. I have my, I have my, yeah. I mean, they're both favorites, but yeah, one but is can, movies that I think are the represent best. cinema right. and one that's like, listen, I get it if you don't like these movies. Fav- right. I just, just say favorite and best. Yes. Yeah. We can okay, say so I think I can do the cinema list. Okay, do the cinema list. Okay, cinema list. My Neighbor Tortoro. Okay. Playtime. Yep. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Yep. Um... Fuck, Muppet Movie is on this list, right? Yes. Right, that's taking sort of the labyrinth spot, spot on the yes, cinema list yes, versus yes, the yes, personal yes. list. The other ones are tough. Uh, here's a hint. Oh, Monica Mana. Yep. Nailed it. Okay, we saw that together. Yes. Um, there's another documentary. There's another documentary on the list. There's God. actually two documentaries right now, but one of them is going to get bumped off soon. Uh, is it Nero Morris? No. It's not Hoop Dreams, right? No, although Hoop Dreams is... Is very good. Ugh, I feel like I know this. It's not a, a filmmaker who made almost anything else after this film. Oh, and, is it American movie? No, movie. He made lots of movies. Right, I yeah. forgot that. Yeah, it's hands on a hard body. Oh, hands on a hard body. Of That's a favorite. Of course, of course, yeah. of course, of course. And then what else is in there? Is the red shoes? Great movie. Oh yeah, not my personal pal in Pressburger, but I mean, indisputable. I, yeah. Mine's Colonel Yours is Life and Death, right? Mine is Life and Death. But I mean, Colonel Blimp is also pretty indisputable. Yeah. My mother's favorite movie of all time is I Know Where I'm Going. So that was sort of like a big. I haven't seen that one. It's fantastic. Maybe one day we'll do uh, David's Mom. Episode. That would be the one to do for David's Mom. I would mom. love to just uh-huh. do them. Yeah, they might. you might want to put some lines. Put some brackets it. on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, what are the others? Sorry, I'm sorry. Marquetta Lazarova. Oh, okay. oh sure. wow. Yeah, right, right. Okay. I mean, if you watch that film, it's, yeah. it, you're, it's, a, you're, it's insane. Um, and then I have a Kurosawa spot that I, I, oh, you I sort of like, I very controversially put Kurosawa's dreams. I was going to guess that was the one. Best movie. It's not, that's a very JD it's movie. It's not, but yeah, it, I was going to love that movie. It's, I think it's, I saw it very early. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many moments. I had a friend who was like that, that like but that just, was an early movie. And I, early I, art movie I understand that it's not his best work and there's other work, movies that I, I do know are, but that one I just think sums up so much of what's. Great and I don't know what film. my favorite Kurosawa is, though. I don't know. I don't uh, know. For me, oh yeah. So here's good time is on my list. 
Good times on yes. this list. So here's my here's my thing. You made this announcement if you made going it to so many us. times. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the on my um, JD has two pages of notes here. One of them's typed. One of them's handwritten. The typed one has a table of contents of things that we're going to discuss today okay. that aren't uh, my neighbor Totoro, but one of them is going to get crossed off, and it's I need you guys to tell me. Totoro is my number three best movie of all time. Okay. Mm. What are your number three movies of all time? I, I don't know that I have a top. And once again, list. not favorite, but like if I was ranking like ultimate cinema. Yeah, but it's all it's all uh, combined and intermeshed. I my my number one is Playtime. My number yeah. two is Dog Day. Yeah. Number three is Totoro. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, okay. I, I've said my top three. Yeah, I don't have a ranking. I guess I could attempt yeah. a ranking. My, you have to attempt a ranking. That's what I'm asking. Like yeah, my, the second, I have to attempt a ranking. Yeah, of my favorite movies of all time. I think so. My top three films. I know this. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Then. Okay. Right. See, I know this. David's stretching. He's doing yeah. like a, a, a pitcher's oh, warm up. Yeah, let's right. see. My top three are Toy Story Two, Bruce McCloud, and RoboCop. Okay. So, so RoboCop. I would say RoboCop. And I, if I were making the ultimate cinema list, I think RoboCop would also take my number three slot. Wow. That's I think great. I probably, if I'm going ultimate cinema, Nashville's my number one. Like, Nashville's the, like, gun to my head. I think this is the best movie. Yeah, I was made. thinking about Naltman for my number three, too. That, that is my, like, if you ask me to say what I think is the ultimate statement in the medium, I, I think it's Nashville. I think RoboCop would be number three on both lists. Wow. And I'm trying to think what my number two would be. Because I've tried to assemble what my sight and sound would list would be. Right. And much like you, it's like, the difference between the two is me swapping out personal favorites from certain directors yeah. for what I think is empirically their best. Yeah. Like on my on my personal list, I got Labyrinth, I got up. an Ernest movie. Right. I got a lot of stuff on there that I I'm not gonna sit here and try to defend to some, to, uh, to AO Scott. More like B.O. Scott. Hey. You you got it in Guys, there. You promised that you would laugh. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is a joke that was made before the podcast. Forty five minutes ago. And we kinda went like, huh. No, we we gave it a real laugh laugh at the time. I'm sorry we weren't on the ball. I'm just thinking about this top three question. I'm curious. You've totally fucked up. David's top three is. That's great. This is a movie podcast. Is this not? Do we not love movies in this room? My name's Griffin Newman and I love movies. My name's JD Amato and I love movies. Blanket. My name's David Simpson. I love movies. I feel like I've heard you say McCabe and Mrs. Miller's your number one. It's up there. It's up there. I, I have a letterbox list. Okay, what's uh that's like uh, the I don't believe it's public, but uh that it, it is a top. Mm. Um, but it, it's sort of a loose list. Like it's yeah, not like sure. a, a yeah. diff, but it was, I will say number one, loose uh, list, sink. a loose, loose, right. list. but, but now I'm sort of loose like, list. you know, I'm looking through what I've got on here. Yeah. Spirited away is on this. This is, okay. 50, there's a 50 film list. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, some of these things I've grown to love maybe even more. Some of these things, mm, I'm, I, you know, like maybe I've sort of forgotten mm-hmm. a little bit. Yee Yee, Edward Yang's Yee Yee is oh. currently number three on that list. So wow. okay. let's let's just make that official. That's your three. Robocop's my three. Totoro's your three. Ben, do you um, have a three? I mean, what comes to mind Good is when I saw Mo. Enter the Void. Ooh, that was right. like a really big, like, whoa yeah. kind of moment for me. So I I don't know. That would be probably three. Okay. Enter the Void. I love it. You don't even know what one and two are. I don't. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But that's He's like got, a that's a cinema experience if, that sticks out. If to we're me. really doing a uh, only vulgar tour bracket next year, Gaspar Noé's got to be on there. <laughs> yes, I mean Ben might really have a lot of influence. We might call it the Ben bracket, right? Because it might be Gaspar Noé. <laughs> yeah, Michael Winterbottom, Harmony Corinne. Oh my God, Michael Winterbottom would be the death of this podcast because it would be like twenty five unwatchable movies. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this week. Imagine a winter. Imagine a world in which we're you're like, doing. 
Okay, I think the takeaway here is the world is shit and yeah. you will die. Tristan uh, Shandy, a, a pod and cast. That's a, that's a good movie. He's <laughs> made like eight good movies. He's also just made like 16 other movies. movies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> also, what would his blank check be? Like The Claim? Like he <laughs> he he did like a... The a, Trip, his franchise. The Trip. He's yeah. got his big franchise. I mean, yeah. He's made movies like The Claim where you're like, who gave him money for this? Yeah. Where he like made like a frontier version of Thomas Hardy's The Mayor of Casterbridge, also starring like Wes Bentley. Did, That's like a movie. Didn't he do a sci-fi film? Yeah, with Code Forty Six. Yeah, right. I was and trying to remember Samantha the number. Morton. Right. It's one of those sci-fi movies where it's kind of like they're in a greenhouse because it's the future. You yeah. know, like where they, they tried their best. You know, with the sets. I also feel like his name sounds like something from like Michael Winterbottom, one of the late uh, like. Uh, Frosty the Snowman spinoffs where it's like Mr. Heatmiser or right, Mr. Winterbottom. Yeah. To me, yeah. it, he just yes. sounds like the yes. stuffiest English director. They're like, oh, Michael Winterbottom. He's like, Michael yeah, I, Winterbottom. I, I made a film that's just unsimulated sex and concerts. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a movie I made. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, all right. So he's not like the stuffiest guy. All right, fine. What else? Come on. But, I mean, okay, we can start going through the list or we can talk about Todoro. I feel like we can maybe spice some of these in. Oh, okay. okay. So you want to sort of bounce I feel back like we can back, back. All right. We're here to Just talk. Just so the audience has something to look forward to. My Neighbor Totoro. It's a pretty plot light movie about a big old creature who lives in the woods and a couple of girls who meet him. Okay. I That's mean, true. Know. Yeah, it's true. It's also not true. I, I know what you But you're what I feel like is what's... Uh, okay. So the, I truly believe that this is animation at its absolute finest of what the the medium of Keep animated talking. storytelling you, you you laid down your marker but now build on it can i give you some stakes on this Katie's episode too so mad at wow, me i did David. that deliberately i will admit <laughs> i wanted to, i wanted to make a bet can i give you some stakes? also david always gets frustrated because the way that i talk sometimes is i will like you you sort of like I'll, you're I'll like a, a preacher before. you're kind of like so to remind you all, the best animated movie of all time is My Neighbor Totoro. Yes. Like, you know, like just exactly. sort of like I want to establish some narrative stakes for this episode. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> this episode seems light. You're right. Let's put something else in there. <laughs> Saw this movie when I was like six or whatever. Oh, you were. So you were a little kid. I was little. It was whenever it first came out on VHS. I think it's, like 95. Did your parents just be like, here's a cartoon? I feel like even twice my parents were like, this is the one that, like everyone's talking about. This must right. be this, amazing. This guy is, you like animated films. This guy is so renowned. And I think I rented it and was like, I don't get this. Didn't finish watching it. And then I remember at school, it was mm-hmm. like a rainy day or something. And they were like, we're going to watch this movie. And I sat there and everyone was like, oh my God, I love Totor. Because I grew up in fucking New York City. You grew up, you went to private hippie, school. Yeah. You know, so everyone private, was like, rich, I have to show yeah, my kid yeah. like the edge, like yeah, the fucking. Yeah. I mean, I think for the night, I mean, even now it's right. still like, oh yeah. Yeah, Disney's okay, but I make sure my kid totally. watches Miyazaki. Right? Okay, yeah. you're you're creating these characters. No, because it's me. Like that's what right. I'm going to be when I have a kid. Yeah. No, no, no. I will say this. Yeah. My my parents were not like that. The other parents at my school were definitely like that. Okay. And I was like, everyone loves Totoro. Everyone's parent. I remember my parents being like, "Did you show Griffin Totoro?" And my mom was like, "Yeah, he like didn't really like it." Right. We watched the whole thing at school. I was like, I don't really get this. I remembered it very vividly. Okay. Because, like, when we were doing the Michael Mann episodes, two or three times I was like, I remembered a scene that didn't exist in the movie. Right, right. Whereas, like, this, I saw it, like, once in full. But it like, was still in your head. Like, 25 sort of, years right. ago, and I was like, this is in my head. I remembered the song. I remembered a bunch of images. Rewatched it. It was one of the movies where I was like, I don't think I get Miyazaki. Didn't even try to really engage with Miyazaki until we decided to do this miniseries. I've been really liking these movies. I watched this one. I certainly like it more. I don't understand it as the top tier of Miyazaki. Oh my god. From gosh. what I've been watching. Wow. I got nothing bad to say about it, but I'm watching it and I'm going, there's something here I'm not getting because I think this is very good. 
But I've been more impressed with almost every other Miyazaki movie I've watched at this point. It's interesting because my automatic response would be, oh, well, you know, it's best to see when you're a kid. It really is made of like a kid's eye view. Yeah. But like then you're saying, like, but I, you did see it when you were a kid. Also didn't register with you then. And here's the weird thing. I understand why it didn't register with me as a kid. Mm. Because I've talked about I was very like literal minded in a certain way as a kid. Need to understand sure. like the the story types and the structure and the genre and things like that. And so things from other cultures kind of threw me off or things that were more sort of formless or spiritual threw me off. Uh, but the other thing is I now like one of my favorite subgenres of film is this is like sad child. Sure. Right. Isolated. Mm-hmm. Dealing with loneliness outside trauma interweave with fantasy. Like I love fucking Pan's Labyrinth and like Spirit of the Beehive. You know, and even, like, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for, like, the bad versions of movies that fall into this, you sure. know? Stuber. It's Stuber, obviously. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just trying to think of the most obvious, not that. Right. So no, I just no, feel on, like this on. is, like, a genre that I love. So now what the fuck's as your problem? I have nothing negative to say about it, but okay. I do, like, I was, like, I could beat myself up for not getting it, but I also know that JD has prepared... A filibuster. Well, right. and he's, he's going to sell me on the idea that this J- is the greatest J- animated film J- of all time. JD just well, put on a thing. seersucker suit. Yeah, he exactly. <laughs> and he said, "I my- say, I say, I say." <laughs> he's dabbing his head with a handkerchief. Here's the thing: you're allowed to not have this film touch and speak to you sure. in the way that it does for me or someone else. Yeah. Um, but to talk about why I think it is. Perhaps the greatest animated film. That's the argument I want to hear. I want to. I want to dial back to what I think is special and magical about animation, which Hell, actually, yeah, touches on a, a larger conversation that is about modern films. So, we're talking about an animator. Good to do. When it comes to drawing and making art physically with your hands, mm-hmm. I think the beauty of that is that you're taking the real world and the human perception of the real world, right, and you're translating it through your own identity, mm-hmm. through your own experiences, and then using something that is an imperfect uh, uh, method to transfer that to something, which is your own hands, your ideas, this thing that is inherently flawed. We're not ever going to be able to uh, exactly replicate the real world through our sort of artistic filter, right? And and here's another thing I just want to say. Because sometimes a director comes up and they're like, why would these guys want to cover this person versus this person? Why doesn't this person count as a blank check director? Whatever the thing is. And I think the biggest thing we look for because the directors we've covered on the show are not necessarily who we think are the best, most important, or our favorite directors ever. Sure. Right? That's not the priority. The priority is people who have that filter. Yeah. Like the career that's interesting, but also in whatever medium they're working, however they work, at whatever budget level, it's like people are like, why are you talking about Nancy Myers? It's like because every Nancy Myers movie is a filtration of how she sees the world. Right. And her trying through this weird and perfect medium that is so complicated to control to like produce the world that she sees right uh and animation is the most extreme version of that because you're starting with a blank page you're not even taking given objects and modifying them yeah and when and when you're drawing a picture right you're not drawing what's real you're drawing what you feel Mm -hmm. the colors the choices the size of things and especially when you get into something as unrealistic as a miyazaki movie right Mm -hmm. and i think that's what's beautiful is that number one miyazaki does a lot of the keyframing himself it's a lot of drawings and things like that and it's a very personal story and so when you're watching an animated film, and a hand-drawn animated film, what you're seeing is a human being literally drawing things. And it's going to be flawed, and it's not going to represent reality. What it's representing is a feeling, mm-hmm. a thing that, that hopefully you identify with in some human way, right? 
And so I think that's what's beautiful in animation is that all of the flaws and all of the things that aren't perfect about hand-drawn animation, mm-hmm. they are to you reminding you that someone is there making this with their hand. It is a person. It is people behind this that are doing this. It's a JD magic right there. And, and this is another point I want to make just tying into the thing I, I, I previously said. There are people who are technically competent who can make a live-action film that doesn't have any personal filter on it like yeah. that. But even the most technically inept animator if they tried to make something, would by nature of the process of animation be telling you about how they see the world. Yeah. Even if they don't have the facility to express it. Right. Because it's everything is from their brain and their hand. Right, and that's why, like, you know, people love, like, Harvey Picar and someone like that, where it's like, oh, but I feel what this guy's feeling, even though this thing is such a mess. Right. But so, with... To discuss the modern context of this is that, like, that's why, honestly, computer-generated animation is sort of, it's, there's great movies out there, but it feels different to me. Because when you watch it, you are not, you're, right. humans are making it and helping yes, make it. right. But, but you're not feeling that feeling of, like, ooh, no. that line moved in that small way that's almost imperceptible, and I know that that was a person. Or those leaves, and, like, as, I, as Pixar stop, gets, I fully and stop motion has the same appeal of, like, yes. you had to build this thing, you had to place all those individual right. cobblestones. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it. And so, like, when you see these beautiful Pixar rendered things where it's every leaf is perfect, it's like, that's Mm. great. But what I also love more is when you see, like, a Miyazaki mat, and it's like, oh, these splotches of green and colors that aren't there, but they feel like they're there. And suddenly you're transported to these feelings that represent the world around you but aren't actually the world around you. Do you know what are weirdly the only CGI movies that I think somehow are able to uh, get at that quality? What's that? Uh, and I obviously love many CGI movies. I think because of their commitment to the physical reality of what they're representing, the Lego movies feel like that for me. Yeah, yeah, there's some of that. Yeah, because yeah. they they like those. are well, committed first. to like we're gonna build the fucking models yeah. out of what would be actual bricks. Yeah, so that I feel that sense of like even if it's digitally rendered, look at the idea of yeah. how that would exist. I agree. How with that, that would be I built. Love the look of those. How movies. that structure Especially would live. The, right. right. But so. In talking about my neighbor Totoro and why I think it's so amazing is that that's what I think is important about animation that 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 mm-hmm. context that feeling right. But then in a lot of animated films, what you have is you have story that gets put on top of it. And as someone that's trying to make movies and make TV shows and things like that, I'm constantly wrestling with this idea that the world does not fit into story. Right, the way that we live our lives, mm-hmm. the way right. that we grow up, age, the moments we have, they're not story. There's ne- there's almost never a villain. There's almost never a resolution. We all know that. Things are this morass of experiences and feelings that add up to something that feel important and feel like it has momentum to us. But if you really broke it down, rarely do things make this clear story. Mm-hmm. And so one of my problems with a lot of movies, it's not a problem, but one of the things that is strange in a lot of movies, and especially the earlier Miyazaki movies before this, is it's like there's bad guys and there's good guys. And that's why like things like guns and weapons and all this stuff is so prevalent is because it's a way to go, okay, there's this bad thing and here's this thing that can make the bad thing go. And it's like, it's, it's these things that I don't think reflect reality necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're fun and I love stories and I love this stuff. And so this is not me saying I'm above this. Sort of, but when a movie is able to convey those feelings of what it's like to be a child and those... Yes, the, the this is why I love this Feelings mm-hmm. around what it's just like to live without there having to be a bad guy or a good guy or even this movie really doesn't even have any real problems in it. No, their mom is sick. 
know. Yeah, but yeah. it's and it's it's not clear to what extent. And no, it's and not, and you know what I mean. From the start of the movie, it's like she's kind of on the mend. She's getting better. They're going to release her soon. Right. Yes. Absolutely. But they the closest ha- thing to the a conflict feeling... is a sort of false alarm. But that's, yes. that's but not there even... is the child dread right. of that something yes. is not right because mom's not here and she's totally. been sick. And that's what I love. It's right. It's like there's not like someone who's like, I've kidnapped your mother. But it's also interesting that the movie starts at the point where they're like, we've moved to be closer to her and she's going to get out soon. So even if things are wrong, you're seeing the tail end of things being wrong, Mm -hmm. presumably. And the first time I watched this movie, I was like, oh, is the mom going to die? Is this like a movie about? Probably a reason I didn't like it as a child because I hate movies about parents dying. Mm. Or I did at that age. And I think that's what's so wonderful is that all these moments in this film that feel like they have anxiety and dread it's not because someone said something it's because as a kid when you grow up everything feels unusual and strange things that are different upset you can i quote hayao miyazaki yes that's right i went back to my book okay so david's got two leather bound volumes they're not leather bound they both have a crest on them (laughs) a lion holding a scepter where have i seen that before (laughs) you bringing that back Uh, i'm not sure Interesting. Anyway, uh, open up the book. Um, I, I recommend buying Crest these books, by blowing. the way. Okay. Um, there are two books that are basically collections of any interview he ever gave, any essay he ever wrote, any speech he ever gave, like trying yeah. to collect like Hayao Miyazaki on the record as best as they can. They, right. You know, and they're sort of anthologies so the first one covers the first half of his career the second one goes as far as i think like howl's moving castle or something like that i can find the while names. he's looking i just want to say i finally saw the clip of the animation company showing him the zombie like yes. thing yeah yeah and him just like being like this quietly to life itself <laughs> but then after after you watch totoro and then you see him watching it you're like, you get why that person would be like this is not yeah right this, this is, is not acceptable. This is not right. why we create. This is not what I right. Yeah, exactly. Is there I, first any, one's called starting point. The second one's called turning point. Is so. there any director we've covered who would like this podcast less than Hayao Miyazaki? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Right. No. no, I don't think so. No. no. Yeah. Um, I don't see what the point. Of this why? Is. Why am I hearing a distant uh, boat horn? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So this is an a long. There's a very long interview that he gave about Totoro to um, somebody, and the guy brings up one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which is the early scene where they're running around the empty house. Yes. Oh my and god! It's such a beautiful sequence. Right. And here's what he says: We've all had that kind of experience. I like that scene. It's not an important one, but we would run around the house opening in the door and being like, that's the toilet. It's not there. Like, it's really the child's world. When uh, your kids do that in front of you, it's noisy. But I, so I didn't have to use any director's tricks in the film. I made, I made it wondering if I really was all right to use so few tricks because it was so easy to direct that. Wow. Um, like he, like he's like, that's yeah. just like, you know, well, me, like, like tapping right into my actual life. As a child and as a parent, and you just love of a kid running around a big empty house, and uh, the older sister's running through, and then May, whatever she says, she, May says whatever word she heard, where she's like shower, yes, right, car or whatever, and it's just like it just is that childhood feeling. That childhood feeling also when you move in, went to a new place, yeah. and it's empty. That it's yeah. so big, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like I've like, never moved in a house before. <laughs> is that a line? You- no, I've you never. stayed in the, oh, in right. the same house. He's in, still in the buried jeans house. Yeah. 
Well, I've David, never moved in a house before. We need to get Ben a house. A stash house. <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. Ben needs two houses. <laughs> <laughs> well, were, you, were you about to set up a bit, Griffin? A house no, for I wasn't, mustache. I wasn't going to set up a bit, but as a genuine line of inquiry, you wouldn't have had that experience either because you grew up in New York City and you stayed there your entire life. In apartments, right? So you yeah. never had the experience of a house. So I, I guess I'm the only one that's really moved. Yeah. So in 1995, I moved to England. What? Wait, what? Uh, wait, wait, what? So, what? Uh, David. Mo- moved to Arlington Square in Islington and was, we were there for two years. We were renting God. that. Islington. That doesn't sound okay. like a place. JD Islington? has thrown off Islington, his headphones. Not Dislington. He's standing up in the corner. Islington. 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 Dislington, David? And then in 97, we were like, oh, I guess we're staying in England. Like, what? what? <laughs> that was my reaction at the time. and Because uh, I had been told we were going to leave soon. In Dislington? No. So we moved to, we, we actually bought a house. We moved to Camden. You left Dislington? We did. We did. We got, you know what? You we got Dislington? out of it. <laughs> and I lived in, we lived in Camden for the next 11 years. But who's in Dislington then? <laughs> Who's I, left in Dislington? It's Islington, you Who's in Dislington? Uh, a lot so of people. So no one's in Dislington? <laughs> Dislington's empty now. <laughs> no, there's some people there. It's pretty. It's a pretty hot neighborhood. And so then you just stayed in... Camden. Dis- in Camden? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Camden now is you. Dislington is no one. And then you just stay there? <laughs> yeah. Wait, there's what? a there's a there's a city called Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. You're saying there's also a Camden elsewhere? Borough what? Camden in London. Yeah. Oh my god! Wait, what? Wait a second. But the one that the you neighborhood moved, was Kennishtown. The what? one that you moved into was the one in New Jersey, right? right? Yeah, Camden, New Jersey, the one across the water. That's from the Philly. one you're saying you moved into. No, the borough of Camden in London. Oh, what? <laughs> what? God, this episode is so long. I can't believe this. For like an 80 minute movie. I can't believe this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Golly. Um, just to bring it back, <laughs> I want to point Golly. out that the art director of this film Dislington? is named... It's Islington! <laughs> what, God. Ha- what happened at Islington then? <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't exist anymore! <laughs> so, I want to talk about the subs versus dubs situation. Because that's off- an often talked about thing. Mm-hmm. I tend to believe, obviously, the arguments are when you have dubs, you get to pay attention to the frame yeah. more actively. When you have subs, sometimes it's a more literal translation, and mm-hmm. so it's yeah. more accurate to the spirit of the film, but your eye is drawn to the bottom. I think it's truly whatever you are in the mood to watch, mm-hmm. whatever suits you in that moment. Sure. But I, I have some issues sometimes with how things are translated, which is an impossible task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, there is an article that I remember years ago us talking about with when the Wind Rises came out um, that always rubbed me the wrong way a little bit and sort of summed up what I think the, the danger of the Wind Rises is the absolute worst one to see a dub in my opinion. That's like so, a film set in Japan. Yeah, so you know, like that. That's that, there's no fantasy. It was a little, but like it's mostly just a film set in a place. So they did an article that I think posted on Vulture that was uh, an interview with Gary Rydstrom who was doing, handling the dub. Sure. And they're sort of, the, the whole point of the article is to talk, talk about how careful and good he was at doing this thing, but they're examples. And Gary Rydstrom, who's like a legend. Famous, yes. famous, many Oscars. Yes. But the example- and the voice of Wally. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the example's actually- Wally. 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 Eva. <laughs> trying to remember the, the noises <laughs> in Wally. I just was going to say how long we were just going to Seven do. Oscars he's got. Wow. 
That is the Pixar that feels the most Miyazaki to me in its own weird way. Sure. Like it's not literally trying to go after it, but it I achieves think the first some of the same. Is, yes, it's yeah. very yeah. Um, so I want to I want to read a quote from this article because the 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 article is louding it, but it it sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so this is about the wind rises. It goes, mm-hmm. The article says, "Oh, some moments were easier to massage than others. In one scene, Hiro and his engineer, a coworker Hanjo, discuss the lag of Japanese industrialism." They relate their frustration to Achilles in the hair, a paradoxical parable that Jones and Rydstrom were able to rewire into a mention of the tortoise in the hair while keeping the thematic resonance intact. Those are two totally different sure. right. fables. They mm-hmm. both have hairs in them. Yeah. But they're totally different fables that mean totally different things. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree with you. And I, I think, think the dubs are bad. And I think one of the uh, – here's another one. Uh, later, in li- uh, later in life, the two connect and fall for each other. The duo wrestled with one of Miyazaki's original lies. I've loved you since the day you rescued my hat. Jones found the line ambiguous. Had Yuro loved Nakano before that many years? Is he projecting feelings? We talked it over, and uh, while culturally it might be romantic to a Japanese audience, I thought an American audience it might be a little creepy. But I understood the heart behind it. It was a matter of altering that line slightly. Um, so Jones only changed the line to, I'm in love with you and nothing is going to stop me. Uh, what? I've never watched the That's dub for that. Like, I'm never watching the that dub. That is yeah. a colossally different line. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's another one where it's like... Um, <gasps> he changed the line to, yeah, I'll have a scrambled eggs and white toast. <laughs> you are my wife and we've been married for 25 years. <laughs> my name is Mr. Wind Rises. There's a scene where uh, Hero's telling Nahoko's father that he wants to be with a daughter. And the literal Japanese translation is, please give us permission to date. That's not really romantic. Um so Are we you just cha- going to keep reading from this article about a different movie? <laughs> we have four so more said, hours to fill. We changed it to, I love her very much, and I sincerely hope you'll approve. Okay. I think that one of the things that's important about films, especially films that are distributed internationally, mm-hmm. is that you're bringing with it the culture and the references and the customs of that world. And I think And that's also, how you learn about other places. I think part of what's interesting about watching movies is seeing things you don't understand. Exactly. And so when these things are changed to be more Americanized or to appear, like, I just think that takes away some of the magic of watching a film from someone that's part of a different culture. I, I've told this story, I think, before in the podcast, mm-hmm. but I went to see Your Name in theaters. Great movie. Uh, which didn't get a very wide release. Not at all. Yeah. Um, but in I, America. In America. In America, right. Everywhere else in the world, it was Certainly this fucking blockbuster. Hugely successful in Japan. And yeah. uh, so I went to see it, and it was a theater that felt like uh, 92% uh, Japanese speak. Oh, you've you told the story, right? And they like there was a reference, and the movie is this right. weird like body swap thing, right? And there's a scene where the girl is in the body of the boy for the first time, mm-hmm. and she's trying to like play along with her friends. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on, why she's in this boy's body, and they're asking her like what she's gonna have for lunch, and her answer is as subtitled in brackets says female version of fish. And then the right, guys go, right. what? Right, right. And then she goes, uh, I mean, brackets, <laughs> says male version of fish. Right. And the audience exploded. Right. And I loved that whoever was subtitling was like, look, there's no way to translate this. I'm just going to explain to you what is happening. Right. Because there's no way I can put it into your language that will work. There's no equivalent thing. But I was like so appreciative that I saw that with an audience and heard the reaction. That it was you're like, like, okay, yeah, that lands. There's right. some perfect joke right. that cannot work in any other language. 
and and I understand that and I respect that and I don't want them to be like uh, I'll have the pussy. I mean the penis. Right. Well, yeah. well mm, I mean that is pretty good. Fine. I was missing that in Totoro. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Can we get back to Totoro? Talk? Yes. My yeah. question, Ben. How did you like watching Totoro? This is your first time. Yeah. It really <laughs> got me. Oh my god. Oh boy. Uh, I cried really um, hard. Kazuo Ogasan <laughs> was the art director okay. of this film. Yeah. And Miyazaki credits him yes. with the look. Usually so. Uh especially the environment, yeah. uh the the you know, the artwork of the movie essentially. Uh, it is his artwork that allows such a thorough expression of the flavor of the world, is how he puts it. I, I it's so beautiful and Here's the other thing, too. It would be one thing to do a film that is just about all of these feelings of being a child and what it's like to have these childhood experiences. And to move and, and be in the yeah. countryside and, yeah, all that. But what I love is, is that Miyazaki... Yeah, I don't understand why you're putting such an emphasis on this. It's almost <laughs> like there's a secret you're not telling us. What? We already did the bit. What bit? <laughs> Wait, what bit? Uh, we give a bit? What? Give a bit? What? A bit? You've been keeping a bit from us this whole time? Uh, <laughs> we just keep doing laughs the whole podcast. <laughs> David sort of checked out now mentally. Yeah, I'm, I'm a he's like a out. he's like a soldier habit coming back from war. Um, no, let's let Sims finish. Sorry, okay. David. No, no, you were talking. I was to, I oh. was interrupted by Greg. Who <laughs> wanted to take us back to a bit we just did. <laughs> Literally just did. And we did it more than we needed to. <laughs> Very loud and long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really extended the Wh- bit. Which bit are we talking about? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. This is like we're caught in like some wizard spell where we can't like escape the feedback loop. <laughs> we have to keep killing ourselves to re- retry this moment. We're Kelsey Grammer in that Star Trek episode. <laughs> that's that's you didn't go Groundhog Day, not Russian Doll the Modern. No, no, the Happy captain of the Day. USS Bozeman yeah. in the episode wow. exactly. Cause and Effect. Um, but Miyazaki mm. takes all of his amazing ability in fantasy and imagination and harnesses it to highlight and enhance those childhood feelings. Sure. And he does it in a way where it is not, okay, now we're in this magical world, nor is it, okay, this stuff is all a dream. It sits in the same middle ground that is the feeling of childhood where to these characters, these things appear to be true, and they are emotionally true. Mm -hmm. As a viewer, you understand that they might not be literally true, but also it doesn't matter to you because it's all about the feelings of these experiences. And these characters and these these sort of like mythologies exist to just explain how these feelings feel. Mm-hmm. And I think in doing that, there's so many times I watch it where I just get taken back to being a child. And I'm like, oh my God, I remember, you know, holding my mom's hand in this one moment where I was nervous or, you know, there's moments that just feel so, there's a moment in it where um, uh, uh, the older sister's at school and then May shows up with Granny, and it's like, oh, she's been crying all day. Right. And May won't say anything. She's right. just, cr- she's, she's just totally crying. right. And then finally, when she sees her sister, she like buries her head in her. Such a good scene. And it's like I remember those moments of I remember when I moved to a new school, yeah. And it was with new kids, and my sister was in the same school, mm-hmm. and I was just so terrified. And I just kept asking the teacher if I could see my sister, and finally, the teacher, literally like that scene, right. brought like, me okay. into the hallway right. and was like, "Katie, here's her brother," and I just like. I didn't need. I I didn't want her to do anything. I just wanted her to be there to be like, it's okay. You, I'm here for you. Wow. 
Wow. There's this thing I think about all the time. It was some like retrospective 15th anniversary or 20th anniversary or whatever. Uh, like this movie or no, no, no of uh, Days of Confused with Linklater. Sure, sure. And it was like he had done like Slacker, and then that was the period of time where if you made one independent movie, they'd be like, well, obviously you get to make a seven million dollar studio comedy. Right, right. So he does Days and Confused, and um, uh, he said the day when they were shooting. Uh, all the kids after the baseball game having to like sort of like apathetically do the good game, good game, right. good game. Mm-hmm. The executives were like, what the fuck? We don't need this. Right. right. Like cut right. this. Yeah. This is not important. It doesn't advance the story at right. all. And he was like, this is the whole movie. Yeah, sorry. Like this is unfortunately what you've signed up for. It's right, but it was like, like his whole philosophy movie. to the movie right. is that like you have to put all these things in that everyone else cuts out of the movie. Absolutely. Right. Because it doesn't seem important. But when you see those moments and you're like, wow, that's this thing I have such a like physical memory of doing over and over again in the same way that like just like running up and hugging somebody crying when you're a child and you can't express what's going on or like looking around the house in that way just like immediately connects you to a film. And it's like this is the stuff that everyone else cuts out. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, on that note, I'd like to cross up another thing on my list okay. and talk about an experience that's very similar to that. Okay. which was um, a new experience in cinema for myself that um, Griffin actually was the one who mm-hmm. introduced me to. Oh boy. And um, I don't know, David, if you've had this experience or Ben, if you've had this experience. Oh, the experiences. Um, but I saw uh, Godzilla King of Monsters in 4DX. Oh, yeah, no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Ben, I believe, has done it. Ben, have you ben yet to see a 4DX ben. movie? I have yet to see a 4DX movie. Ben and I have seen two or three okay. together. Yeah, I think yeah. about two. I well, think I've seen over ten in total. I go to a lot of press screenings, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they don't Oh, do my the... God. If they did a 4DX press exactly. screening, oh, that would that, be my favorite. That yeah. would be um, an interesting move to yeah. be like, uh, everyone strap with in, their, everyone you know, with their little notebooks getting shot in the face <laughs> like, with water. Do you want to get wet or do you not want to get yeah. wet? Ben, have you done 4DX? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh you God. guys saw Batman uh, v Supes. We yeah. saw Spider Verse and 4DX together. And Did I you? feel like yeah. maybe yeah. one more. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Okay, we've seen a couple 4DX. So you, and together. so you guys saw Godzilla: King of the Monsters. So I would like to explain yeah. my experience. Mm-hmm. Griffin and I wanted to get together as friends, as friends do. Hey, we're friends. And we like friending. We said, "Let's go see a movie." And Griffin said, "Would you like to see Godzilla: King of Monsters?" And I we went, usually, knowing that JD and I have diverse tastes and sometimes have interest in a movie that no one else is interested in for one or two reasons. Sure, we usually try to find a movie that's like no one else is going to see right. this. Let's yes. be each other's with us. only. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. Yeah, yeah. Let's go see Happy Time Murders because we yes. both feel the obligation. Exactly. And so I was like, "Yeah, I'll go see Godzilla: King of Monsters." The first Godzilla is actually sort of fun. It's a great movie. And Griffin's like, "Great. Here's the time. Here's the thing." And he's like, "Also." You should know, I got us 4DX tickets. Well, first I said, are you okay with doing yeah, 4DX? Right. It's playing at 4DX, and my recommendation is we do 4DX. And here's my I thing. did run it past you. But here's my thought, is I thought that he was talking about RPX. Sure. Which just is just when it's like- A regal premium experience. They charge you a little a more seat. for a slightly better projector. Yeah, you have a, right. a better projector and a bigger seat. Right. Okay? This was not the case. No. We walk into the theater. David, have you ever been in one of these 4DX nope. theaters? Oh, boy. I would have been. There are three seats. Oh, I can't believe we're not seeing Lion King. Attached. I'm so happy we're not seeing Lion King. So attached to one another okay. on hydraulics. Yes, right. That I know. Right. You have to put a seatbelt on. You fucking better. You've got, got a, a control panel yeah. on your on your thing that lets you know. Do you want the smells? Do you want the every uh, to ask if you want the whole thing? Yeah. So I sit down, Griffin. What was what was the experience of? How would you how would you describe me in this? 
situation. You were uh, very worried. I mean, like, I remember when we went to see Billy Lynn together. Yes. And you were like, what is this going to feel like? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. We don't know. And then the second it started, you turned to me and you were like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this. Yes. And you had that same sort of trepidation. You were right. like, how much is it going to be a thing? Yeah, yeah, It yeah. felt like sort of like I was your parent and we're about to go on your first, like, thrill ride or something. Yes. Yeah. And you're getting buckled in. Okay. And I'm like, I've done this a lot. It's sure. not going to be that extreme. It moves around, but it's not like relentless. Uh-huh. Here's Griffin's what's talking know. me off the edge. Right. Okay. And then. Keep talking. I'm just, I'm sorry. Keep talking. The first thing they do when the lights come down. I've seen a lot of 40X movies. This yeah. is new. Uh-huh. They now have a little pre-show thing that's right, like, like the Regal ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's showing someone who feels like the 40X is so thoroughly placing them in the movie that they are in a car zooming down the highway in the middle of an action sequence. Sure. And so immediately, 40X is doing everything. Right, right. They're, they're like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's, the THX, like, exactly. where they're like, let's, right. let's show that. you the full power of 40X. And the thing that, if you've never done 40X, here's all the features. There are smells. The seats move on hydraulics. We, we have talked about 40X in this podcast. It shoots you in the face with water. I've it heard, shoots you yes. in the sky with water. It punches you in, in the, the back with little hands. <laughs> it punches you in the sky. Then it t- t- does stuff with your ankles. Right. It's a crazy experience. Tickles you. It tickles you. Right. When it sprays you in, directly in the face with water, it's jarring. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I was like, sure. I was like, Griffin, it just shot me in the face. And Griffin goes, yeah, they don't do it very often. Uh... But I saw the trailer of this movie, and I... There's a lot of water in this he goes, movie. mostly right? rain. I yeah. think it's raining the whole movie, yeah. so we might be in trouble. It's either raining or they're in the ocean. They yeah, had previously right. always done this thing in 40X where there's just, like, a sprinkler above your head. Yeah. But for Godzilla, they amped it where they were, like, the bar in front of you that usually releases the smells uh-huh. now also shoots water oh, yeah. into your face like the Joker's flower. JD, how yeah. many of the table of contents have we done and how many remain? We have two and we have... <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. I literally six. cleared my whole schedule. For yeah, this. So, six I mean, left. All right, so you're saying it was eight total, and we were we're one quarter of the way through. Yeah, I thought it was ten. I don't know where two of them went. <laughs> Griffin, what are you doing on your phone now? Uh, no, I was. Well, like, here's the thing. Here's what, with my mantra about a job I didn't get. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Here's what's tough. I believe my neighbor Totoro is one of the great films. I have very little funny things to say about it or content to say other than I think it is a brilliant, beautiful film. Well, it's fine because this is a podcast known for its seriousness and its brevity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do we want to talk more Totoro or do we want to do another chapter? Let's talk about Totoro. Let's, 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 let's give some Totoro time. Because I think we got to give the audience a little back and forth. Yeah. Totoro. This is like Nashville. We're spinning a bunch of different narratives and they're all going to come together at the end. Right. And I'm... I'm that guy. Oh, fuck, I wish I remembered his name. Is that fun? I feel like Michael Murphy. Th- yeah. Yeah. I think no, so, I feel yeah. like David's the lead of um what was the Coen Brothers movie with the tornado? Oh, it's serious. Yeah. I'm like Michael Stolbart. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or like the tornado. Just everything <laughs> keeps happening. <laughs> David's like, I am a serious man. Yeah. The world is falling around down around him. <laughs> There's David Sims of the Atlantic. Oh, boy. David Sims of the Atlantic.com. Can I That's say one me. of my favorite things is that David Sims is what you're part of the whatever New York film critic. I'm uh, part of the New yeah. York film critic circle, which is sure. like a huge prestigious honor for me. Yes. Right. And David is also uh, the film, film critic for the Atlantic. That's right. And this podcast. Another huge prestigious honor for me. I think there is a supercut you could make in this you, podcast. You've told me that you want to do this on your own time. <laughs> of just the things David has said. 
uh-huh. that, that, are, that would like fully cancel me. When you no. go like, this movie is poop. Yes. There is there is some movie where I was talking. Just like me at my most juvenile. You're like, you're, like, you're like, this movie is poop out my butt. And I'm like, I'm like, this is, like, this is a man who's paid to write about film. Well, and this is also like this is the ex- this is the exact and not by like buttpoop.com, but by like an, an an August institution that was founded by Ralph Waldo Emerson <laughs> and Harriet Beecher Stowe and people like that. And like this they is were like yes, a journal of letters it shall be. And this like movie looks like a bowl years of later, I'm like. <laughs> and I just love that it's like this is like exhibit A for why no serious person ever have a podcast because right. once you get past like the first real things you have to say then you're just like I don't know Robocop's a big poo poo butt poop 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 I would never say that about Robocop yeah. maybe Robocop 2 yeah not a good maybe movie maybe the Robocop remake yeah, sure. not a good movie right, right, right. are they remaking it again no, it's the fucking Neil Blomkamp movie. Oh, so it's like a sequel to the first? It's the He's sequel doing the Halloween. that Paul Verhoeven never got to make. Right, right. Except Paul Verhoeven could make it. Uh, he's alive. He keeps on saying, like, I keep asking myself what Paul Verhoeven would do. That's my philosophy for this movie. Right. So there's just a lot of naked women. And I don't a know lot what the of fuck weird... this movie's going to be. And he says he'll only do it if Peter Weller doesn't. I have a feeling Peter Weller's not going to agree to do it. How old is Peter Weller? Uh, 800. Once you tell us Peter Weller's age, we can move on. Uh, 72. Wonderful. I don't think he's younger RoboCop than I anymore. Really? Younger than I thought. Older than Samuel Jackson. Older than Samuel Jackson, but only by two years. Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting game. Older or younger than Samuel Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Most of the country, younger. <laughs> All right. So okay. in my neighbor Totoro, they meet fucking Totoro. He's a big old guy. <laughs> okay. So Ben. <laughs> I have feel I, about that. It takes I a long hear. time to meet him. I yes, you hear. do. 25 minutes in, you realize the mom is sick. And I would say what, like... Do you want to know what their inspiration was? 35 minutes in? Well, I, I think I, you I don't have, see Totoro on screen until after maybe 40. 40. The inspiration. Yeah, yeah. For well, first Tot- you see the little guy. Right. But He's I don't think you cute. see him. A little yeah. Totoro. Yeah. Yeah. And I can talk to... I can give you a Miyazaki quote, but you go ahead and tell me. Is it about the movie that inspired them to have Totoro show up later? No, 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 no. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, the movie that... So, originally Totoro was going to be in the first scene. Is the opener to the movie. Like, here he is, Totoro, the man himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, I believe it was like Takahata, mm-hmm. uh, Miyazaki, they're so talking. Takahata, who released Scare the Fireflies, I believe, on the same day as this movie? Certainly the I same think year. So, maybe. Yes. Uh, and then someone else, they're talking and they're like, no, it's like E.T. Oh, sure. You don't see E.T. Mm-hmm. until like halfway through the movie. Yeah, for at least 40 minutes in. I love right. that E.T. was mm-hmm. their like, yeah, we got to do the E.T. on It'd this. It'd be funny if it was the third man. It's like, yeah. He's kind of the Orson Welles. Man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's a big boy. I mean, and uh, you get teases of him earlier, but Beetlejuice does a similar thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing yes. that we've talked about in this movie, yes. which I always find very effective, where you build up a character. This, right? Was it the same year? Beetlejuice is 88. Yeah, same year. I just always find that effective. The All these examples we're talking about, where it's like, there's a titular character who the movie is sort of like priming you for. Right. This whole thing is going to shift when they enter, and you hold off bringing them in for as long as you can. Um, here's Miyazaki on the Totoro. Yes. Mm. The Totoro are goblins of the transitional plane, where Japan hasn't become entirely modernized. Because this movie is set in the 50s-ish, mm. yeah, it's but like it's not really defined, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And it's set in this uh, place that by the time Totoro has come out, like this kind of place, these sort of farmlands by the mountains, were like 
going extinct and this right. movie kind of revived interest in like, oh yeah, that's like an environment we should protect. Like that sort yeah. of way of life is something we should like consider as like part of Japanese life. Um, but that's why, for example, it makes sense to me. This is him again. It mm-hmm. makes sense to me that the cat goblin has turned into a bus because it's like modernity yeah. is sort of seeping mm. into the fantasy world. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's still a magical cat creature, but it's now this sort of like industrial shape. Sure. Uh, and it like behaves like a, you know, post-war kind of invention. Right. I mean, I love uh, Cat Bus. Cat uh, Bus is my is pretty cool. favorite element of the film. Um, I was going to say, oh, reading the Wikipedia. Uh, he was very uh, stubborn about uh, this film getting uh, dubbed. And that he didn't want any uh, non-exact translations. Mm. Because I guess he had gone through with Nausicaa and with uh, Castle in the Sky. People trying to go like, well, this reference doesn't make sense culturally. So let's find like an American version of that reference. He didn't like the music and the edits on Castle in the Sky. All these sorts of things. And Totoro is, as a name, a play on the the notion of of troll, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a thing where there's the scene where she's explaining why she's calling him Totoro. Right. And it doesn't work in the English language. Right. And they were like, can we rename the character so that it makes sense? And he's like, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. When, did, when were you crying? When was the uh, yeah, what the got Because this feeling? is a movie a lot of people tell me they cry at. This is actually one of the Miyazakis I do not mm. cry at. Interesting. Uh, there are a couple of Miyazakis that just like, there's a moment every time that's like a button is pushed and I'm mm. like, oh, right. Uh, for some reason, maybe because I didn't watch this movie as a kid, that doesn't, yeah. but, uh, but well, yeah, so when were you? Just like the whimsical moments with the kids and the spirits. Ben loves yeah. that whimsy. Like ben Hosley, I should call him Ben Wimsley. <laughs> Sometimes Griffin looks kind of con- like he's concentrating on something, and I'm like, oh, and then it's that's what he's was concentrating doing on. Doing that. <laughs> right? It's Winona Ryder on the Emmy stage, and I'm just doing all the, wait a second. The last time I watched was a long time ago. Not a long time ago, but like a year, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up with two older sisters. I recently lost one of my sisters, which was has been a very hard experience for me. And watching this movie because it tapped into those childlike feelings, did bring back a lot of those feelings of like... Had you mm. seen it since your sister passed? No, no, no. Wow, okay. Mm. Uh, and it was just... Uh, I don't know. It's it, 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 Especially if you grew up with siblings or grew up as a kid around other kids or had that feeling of being alone out in the war, like out mm-hmm. in... Because there's so much of this movie that is maybe not even relatable to some modern kids because right, it, they're just going out of the house and no one's like even checking on them. Yeah. They're like just sort of running around. Like there's the moment when uh, May tells her dad, like, uh, do I look like a grown up?" And he's like, yeah. And she's like, all right, I'm going off to do errands. Right. He's like, oh, whatever. Like she's the just dad like, who is a classic Miyazaki man where he's just like kind of a dope. He's got glasses. He's like, sweet though. He's very sweet. Miyazaki men are usually sweet, but they're usually kind of dopey. Yeah. Yeah. But God, I just wait till you'll see Kiki Griffin. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? No. Okay. I'm going to watch it tonight. I don't know. There's just so much that resonates and so much that feels emotionally true and little moments that you're like, yeah, I remember that feeling. I don't know. I think it's a really, really, really special movie. It's like, like a movie like Inside Out. Remember, like there's a big tear jerking moment when the imaginary friend, you know, sacrifices mm-hmm. himself or whatever. And that's great, but it's so on the nose and it's forcing that out of you. Where this, it has moments that are expressing that those same thoughts without having to have it be this big perilous 
right. experience. And also, I, I love Turner Inside Out. Do anything? Yes, I I yeah. love like, Inside Out, but yeah. it's a very literal movie. Yes, about very abstract which, things, which is the Pixar experience, Pixar often, thing. where they're like, right, let's take an abstract thing and right. sort of make it a system, right? Uh, which I like. Like, I mean, that appeals to me in a certain way. So like, do you I, know, I, I I love Wally. I think it's a Wally. I think it's way up there. I think it's the top non Brad Bird Pixar movie for me. Wally Sean. Uh, I love Wally Sean. What if Wally did a master builder? <laughs> he is a master Wally builder. Wally Sean. <laughs> um, my dinner with Wally. My dinner with Wally. My dinner with Wally. Wally. All right, so you love Wally. What I was going to say is, uh, I know a lot of people think like, well, but then it drops way off. I agree with you. I think the first 40 minutes of Wally are, for me, as good as any movie that's ever Absolutely. been made. Absolutely. Yes. And then the remainder of it, I think, is incredible and only fails to live up to the first 40 minutes. I would agree with that, too. I think the remainder gets a bit of a bad rap. I do, too. I think it's too um, hard. But it's rap. certainly not as, you know, certainly the, the first half of that movie is. But yeah. I have heard Andrew Stanton say that their goal was to keep it nonverbal. Right. And that once they got to the spaceship, that humans had devolved so much they didn't have language anymore. Mm -hmm. And they spoke to each other just in grunts. And I wish they had been able to pull off that fucking yeah, why movie. Why didn't they pull that because off? Because that feels like the fact that Wally and Eve can't talk to each other right. makes it have that Miyazaki-esque quality. And that's so much of like the history of it is just sort of sold through like the background and being able to understand like the history through like the amount of wear and age and things. If they had gotten up there and, and no one was fucking talking, I would think it was the greatest movie ever made. Now here's, here's a, a, fair. <clears throat> yeah. a metric. You know who's cute though? Mo? Eva. All of them are cute. Eva. No, I know, but she's a real David. I What's Eva? I'm bossy round face. I mean, she is. David's Her face is round. His number one crush type is bossy round face. <laughs> okay, don't ever tell any of your crushes that. <laughs> oh, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I won't. Yeah. Good point. Won't mention it. Forky would get really upset. A metric. Round face. Round face? A metric what that I, mean? I think separates <laughs> uh, incredible filmmaking Mm -hmm. Just like true, beautiful filmmaking from stuff that's fine is when the story is told just through the images, right? Yes. So the entire movie of Totoro started, the inspiration for it was a, a drawing that Miyazaki drew, which was Totoro uh, and the girl, at the time it was one girl. With the umbrella? At the, at the bus stop. Yeah. That was the image that yeah. was so burned in my it's, head from a movie I watched 25 years right. ago. It's the poster image, I feel like, or at least a poster yeah. image, and it is such an indelible image. Yeah. But I think you could also cut out all of the dialogue scenes in this and just have it be the yeah. the scenes. And you would, I you like would the still, dialogue. Oh, though. yes. yes yeah. I think it's all perfect. Right, but I'm just saying. It's very true to life. Yeah. I think it still tells the same story, just the images. I think you could even take stills from this movie and put them together, and it would still resonate in very similar ways and tell the same feelings to an audience. I don't know. I just think it's so brilliant. And in fact, now that I think about it, that's why I like um, Kurosawa's Dreams mm -hmm. is that there's so many shorts that have these images that are just these beautiful images I think tell the entire story in an image. And I think like when you find a film that's really great, you can pull an image and go, this is the entire story just in one image right there. Um, so yeah, as you say, there was initially one daughter. Yeah. For some reason evolved into two. I think partly was like, I, the big thing was that they he wanted to explore both that childlike play right, right. and the sense of it's duty. It's to grow up fast. Yeah. And, yeah, right, right. And it was hard to do with one kid. So he wanted May, the little girl, to meet Totoro first because he feels like she wouldn't be scared of Totoro because mm -hmm. Totoro's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. She's you know? amped when she meets Totoro. Right. She's in that area of childhood yeah. where you're still like, seems cool. Yeah. And that's like, such a beautiful you know. moment when she comes up to him and you're expecting it to be this scary moment or this moment right. that's so played out 
in most cinema where it's like, ooh, they're scared at first, but it's actually a gentle beast. It's like, right. that's no. E.T. That's like right. yeah, the sure. exact E.T. meeting. But yeah. it's instead, it's immediately she's just so comfortable like, and laughing. This guy rules. Yeah. She's right. like, it's like when a really little kid meets like someone for the first time and they just give him a hug and are like, yeah, I like this person. Yeah. Since he is Lord of the Forest, Totoro can hear the joyous voices of the plants. He would love the rain, especially if it's rain falling during a rainy season. We think of him enjoying the plop-plop sound of raindrops with a leaf on his head. And so when he gets the umbrella, apparently, Miyazaki's concept is like, he thinks it's a musical instrument. Like, he doesn't understand why you would need an umbrella. Right. Oh. You know what I mean? But he thinks it's like, it's good amplification for the raindrops. Exactly. He's like, let's do some awesome shit with this. He's like, oh, this is a good idea. It sounds cool. Right. He doesn't mind being rained on. He's like a forest goblin. He's he's lord of the forest? That is uh, what uh, Miyazaki said. This this interview is wild, where he's just like, anyway, yeah, they're forest goblins. He's the lord of the forest. He also talks a lot where he's like, I don't know. I don't want to get them the thought. They are just what they are. Like he sort of waves off a lot of that stuff too, where he's yeah, not like, yeah. "Here's the rules." No, this he's like, "No, he's like, no." They represent the whole right. thing is about being a kid, and yeah. to the extent that he's like, "I don't even want it to be specific that it's a dream or not a dream." Yeah, sure. right. Yeah, but in a movie that is 87 minutes long, Correct. with a long opening and closing credit sequence, <laughs> which Correct. is one of my favorite parts of, especially like Japanese animated films from like the 80s, and it still happens now to this day yeah. in a lot of anime. Well, I just love the opening title, like animation sequence where it's like its own little short film or yeah. its own little thing. Your name does that. It has like yeah. an opening like music video. Yes, it's a classic uh, exactly. anime. Um, yeah. uh, but in a movie that's probably, you know, about Pretty 80 short. minutes with those two like mm-hmm. musical credit sequences removed, I think Totoro is in 10 minutes top. In terms of him being on screen, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's kind of He really nuts. only has like two set pieces and then a couple other appearances. Yeah. Now, yeah. Do you guys remember what the uh, video cover for the Fox VHS release was? No. Look it up because it's sells. Isn't, it, isn't it him, it's him flying, flying with them riding him? And it looks like he's like saving them. It's almost like a never ending story oh, kind of yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, right. Like right, it right. really makes it look like an adventure movie. Right. right? And it's got like every creature they can cram in right. there. Yeah. Right. right. They're riding his belly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the original distributor of My Neighbor Totoro was Trauma Entertainment. Alma mater of J.D. Amat. Oh, sure. Right. But so and they, they were the others. first distributor. They had, they, have, uh, they had a different distribution arm that wasn't named Trauma. It was called like 50th Street Films. Yes. They distributed through that. And then at some point, uh, music and people were like, wait, who are these people? Yeah. And they're like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, no, Disney, you can do this. <laughs> Um, but so there's still these amazing posters you can get in the world um, that are My Neighbor Totoro with a Troma logo on the corner. A little toxic. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, there's this whole sequence where he talks about this in the interview where he talks about how he animated running. Mm. Uh, and the, the classic way was to do six frames of two frames each. Right. Like mm-hmm. spring, move, land, right? Uh-huh. Like something like that. And how he's like, that's not how children run. So yeah. he wanted it to look all different and much more chaotic. Yeah. He's fucking great. Children aren't conscious of wanting to run. They just want to get somewhere quickly. That's how he puts it. That's yeah. a really, really good observation. He, I mean, when you watch those uh, making ofs or any kind of document, he's so focused on movement, reflecting yes. character. Like, he get, he to the point that he seems like he sometimes sort of gets hung up on it, where mm-hmm. he's like, not quite. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, yeah. no, it needs to breathe differently or whatever. Like, he really wants all the movement to be good. And then he hates things like explosions or... You know, really big, loud things. Like, yeah. You know, well, which, which is why I think it's so interesting that, like, before this, he does Nausicaa. Right. 
and uh, Castle in the Sky, mm-hmm. which are more action adventure, which are all three yes. are action yeah. films. I mean, yes. and they have explosions and vehicles and all these sorts of Nausicaa's like guns vehicle and ve- right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is just I, I also I I theorize too that when you uh, have filmmakers who work in imagination and fantasy and such big visual things so much, oftentimes I find my favorite films of theirs are the ones where. They ground it in reality, mm-hmm. and then you see those. Like that's why I like Big Fish so much. Right. And, like I think grounding like, that's heavenly in reality. creatures, like those movies yeah. where it's like here's someone who can go totally bug nuts making a movie that's like ninety percent reality. Right, is always really fascinating, or even seventy percent reality. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, should we do another chapter on your fucking list? Yeah, sure. Um, I can. I'll let you guys. Uh, we can just uh, pick one. Okay. Okay. This is a big follow up. Um, Whoa. And uh, okay. big follow up. There's a big, big follow up to uh, news that we broke in the last episode. Oh my God. This is the the Star Meter Report. <laughs> <laughs> Only you care about this. So I just want to uh, point out uh, Keiko the Whale has not been unseated as the tallest actor of all time, wow, according fair. to the IMDb. Fair. Okay. Fair. Um, Topsy Elephant still number two. Is Topsy the one? Th- the oh, one that oh, Edison uh, electrocuted uh, to death, right? Yes, yes uh, right. Topsy. And so I wanted to follow up, though. Good actor. On Topsy. Mm. Um, since we last recorded, mm-hmm. Topsy has moved up um, about 200,000 spots wow. on the star meter. So you think that's us, like, Do you people think searching? Blank check to- no, I'm saying I think Topsy's hot. <laughs> Oh, you, you you don't think it's because of blank check? You just no. think it's general word on the street. You think we're not leading the Topsy wave, we're riding it. Topsy's, Topsy's got buzz. He's been taking generals. Can I ask what Topsy's all-time highest rank is? Uh, yes, I'll tell you that in just a second. Okay, sorry. Uh, we have Keiko the Whale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keiko is down from the last time we recorded, but oh. up this week. Okay. So Keiko's All right. Uh, long, can we do long since dead. Long uh, since dead. It's a bummer. Highest Topsy's ever been. Uh, the highest Keiko's ever been was uh, in 2003, November, uh, got up to top thousand, 1,000. Was that when Keiko died? Mm, right. I mean, we don't like Rip. to talk um, about that. On this list, does it say how the highest I've ever been? Uh, it probably does. I can look you Definitely up. up there. I'm sure you're pretty high up there. <laughs> uh, Topsy, Topsy's highest was November uh, 2014. Okay. When Topsy got uh, a four-week high of 108 thousand. Wow. So let's see, Ben Hosley. What, let's see where you're at. Ben Hosley, right now you're 716,485 on the star meter. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, but what's the highest Ben's ever been? The highest. Uh, really high. the you, highest. you hit <laughs> the Ben. He's gotten real high. You hit the. You hit uh two on the weekend. Two hundred twenty-two thousand sixty-four. No, he wow. was above that. I think. Uh, really? No, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. In July twenty eighteen. July twenty eighteen. You were uh, two hundred. All right. Let's see, Griffin. Okay. Griffin. Oh, you're not on IMDb. I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, IMDb I, just is like a why bother. It's just, it's just Can I tell you my guess? Yes. My guess is the highest I've ever been. Ooh, you're pretty high right now. Really? Wait. I mean, you're not great. Uh, well, 9300. 9300, that's hey. pretty good. Ooh. Did you see? No. What do you think your highest is? I can is? see the peak. I can't see any of the data. When do you think the highest you've ever been is? When do I think it was or how high do I think it Both. was? Both. <sighs> I think it was uh, uh, November twenty, October twenty seventeen. Uh, yeah, yeah, ish. around that time. Okay. It's like between July and October. Uh, 
in September 2017. Right, that's like TikTok. Okay, hit six six hundred. Yeah, yeah, six hundred. Okay, there were only six hundred and twenty two people more famous than you at that, that point week. in time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Can we do wow. a different chapter because that was uh, so disappointing? No. Well, here's the other thing. <laughs> so something that I found. Yeah. In the uh, Star Meter report. Also, I want to say uh, Wilson the volleyball down this week. <laughs> Wilson the Volleyball, not doing well this week. How is uh, Donald Kaufman? <laughs> I'm trying to think of other fully fictional IMDb entries. Um, so, you can also rank the Star Meter report by special, like, how is this going on? By special skills. So you can figure out who the most famous person is with a special skill. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the special skills is accents. Uh-huh. Okay, wait. Can I, can I try to... I want to pause this for one second. Yes. I'd like to broker a deal. Okay. David... JD will agree to end this bit immediately if you go to 40x at 6 o'clock. I don't want to go to 40x. (laughs) Okay, or I'll end it immediately. If you can guess who the most... (laughs) Who the most... (laughs) Who the the biggest celebrity right now is that can do the robot? (laughs) Because IMDb will tell us. We'll click robot. Sort by... Sort by robot. By dance style equals robots and ranking. Okay, David, you might be able to get this. And this is a fair offer. We'll end it immediately if you can pick who the highest ranking actor is. If not, we're doing another. I'll say this. It's like someone... Do I get like a hint or... Yeah, here, I'll give you a couple hints. I don't want to give you too many, but I'll say this. It's not like a surprising one. No. It's not like that person could do the robot. You're like, that feels like... I've seen that person do the robot. I think it's very likely you have seen this person do the robot. And there's someone who is pretty au courant. Pretty okay. Like it isn't like a cast member from Breakin. Like this is <laughs> yeah, someone no, who's like a current rising star. Yeah. Who if they have not done the robot, or according to IMDb, they've probably shown enough similar skills that you're like that's in their repertoire. I don't know. I'd say it's it's uh, an emerging leading man. Emerging leading has the- been the lead of a TV show, has been the lead of a live action film, and has been the lead of an animated film. I mean, good, good. Clue. Biggest celebrity I can do a ro- the robot right now, this week. Lead of an animated. Lead of an animated. Lead of an independent film that was kind of a crossover. Lead of a TV series. Like this year, there was an independent film that was kind of a crossover. No, no, those are in the last couple. That the order was independent film, then TV show, then animated film. Mm. Those are the three biggest projects, and I feel like everyone's still waiting for like the huge thing, yeah. but like. Like, for people like us, it's like, this is one of the guys who's going to be with us for decades. Is there a person of color? Correct. Yeah. And don't forget, he can do the robot. This he can person. do the robot. Ben, this and is the robot. Ben is doing the robot. Ben is doing the robot. I yeah. see, I see. <laughs> right. Let's not dance. Right, right, right. Um, do you want one last hint? Yeah, you sure. do it again? The robot? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, give me a hint. The, the animated film is the biggest in all regards. The biggest in all regards. Yeah. So, Incredibles 2. No, no, no. Not biggest in all regards of animated films. Oh. I'm saying biggest in all regards of his career. Most critically well-received, most successful. Why is that such a good role. clue? That And now I'm like, fuck. It's a good clue. Yeah, now I'm like, why don't I know? And oh. He, he is the and guy. Don't forget, he can do the robot, He apparently. can do the robot, but he is the guy in the movie. He's the guy in the movie? In the animated movie. What's his name? God damn it. What's his name? I know his name. Fuck. Uh, I'm thinking of Spider-Verse. Am I crazy? 
You're not crazy. What the fuck is his name, though? If you say the name, the 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 start of the report will be over. It's over. All you got to do is say the name. I I was going to show you the most most famous person can do a Japanese accent. The 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 answer will surprise you. (laughs) I actually want to know that. Uh, Mickey Rooney. Shamik Moore. That's his name. All right. Starving report's over. Was it... it is it uh, dope? I was saying was dope, dope. The is get the down indie movie, right? Yeah. Spider Verse. I was saying those. Spider Verse. Yes. He is the number one robot doer. Yeah. yeah. Is that surprising to you? I think that took like five minutes. <laughs> right, who does the segment. number one ja- Japanese though? You yeah. want to know? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Let me unclick robot. My guess is, is still Mickey Rooney. Oh, the answer is not good for anybody. Oh dear. That's why my it's that's my oh, guess because it's, it's not going to be someone who is. If you're looking, Japanese, if you're looking for a Japanese accent, for Japanese accent, the person that you should hire the most. <laughs> it's not Newt Gunray, is it? Oh wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay, that wasn't the one that it was before. It changed since I last looked. It changed. I think. Who was it before and who is it now? Wait. Oh no, that's spoken languages. I'm sorry. Okay. Accents. This accents, one. Accents. Accents. Oh my god, Jamaican be bad too. I bet. <laughs> Okay, Japanese. <laughs> I, I just want to be clear. None of them would be good. And once again, the segment has ended. I want to make it very yes, this clear. This is not for the segment. This is, this is the after the show. This is the after <laughs> the show. The segment has ended. Ben's crying. Um, this is a really, really bad okay. result. This is, <laughs> this is, this is mean, like, it's like a bummer. We're just going to be bummed. If you're going for a Japanese accent, this is who I'm to be says, this is the hottest person you could get for a Japanese accent. <laughs> it's particularly bad because I cannot pull when they would have done this accent. It's not even like oh. All right, who fuck. is it? Who is it? It is. Um, he is. He has starred in multiple TV shows. Oh <laughs> now, who is it? Disney Channel star Dylan Sprouse. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I don't know. Who, yeah, you mean one of Zach and Cody? Yeah. Zach and or Cody? Yeah. <laughs> that's it's the that's, one who isn't Jughead, right? Is that the one who isn't I, Cole? Uh, is, Cole is Jughead. Yeah. Isn't Dylan Sprouse like IMDb. retired? Um, I think he's kind of retired. Yeah. IMDb. He oh. identifies as a heathen. That that's rules. so funny. Did you? That's like the third sentence of his Wikipedia page. Okay, once again, the star he meter, identifies as a heathen. The star meter segment's over. We're on the this after is, after show. It's not the star meter segment. <laughs> this is not what does that mean? It, it's uh, when I click on it, it's a, a heathenry, a new religious movement can called you, German neo paganism. Can you do Yiddish, JD? I just saw that Yiddish is not. <laughs> All right, no. <laughs> it's Enough. the after after this show. This is a masterpiece of cinema. Sybil Danning. Okay, well, that's not exciting. The segment's off. <laughs> Menashe. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love a Menashe joke. What's pizza? I love it. Uh, all right. Uh, what are we talking about? My neighbor Totoro. My neighbor Totoro. I can't believe you forgot. <laughs> Totoro. Totoro. I love this movie. Okay. I think it's fantastic. I saw sure. it in 35. Millimeter. Uh, two years ago. When and where? Uh, at IFC. Okay. I believe. It was IFC or Sunshine. Sure. Mm-hmm. IFC shows a lot of... Uh, I think it was IFC. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just love it. And I love all the matte paintings. They're so beautiful. The nature in this movie. I mean, one of the best shots in the entire movie is when it cuts to the frog watching Totoro. I mean, that just... Yeah, that's great. That's everything. I also love the shot of when um, the youngest daughter sleeps on Totoro. Yeah, and it pulls up. And it shows them in this like just like encased in this oh. beautiful lush greenery. He does look so comfy. He looks so. He comfy. looks pretty tough. And pretty when the su- when the suits, but I like that he has teeth. 
Oh, me too. You know what I mean? Yeah. He opens and his claws. mouth. There's some big old gnashers in there, there. There has to have been produced. Because I was looking at the Wikipedia, how successful this movie's been. I think Totoro has like grossed a billion dollars if you include all of everything, especially merchandise. Because they were saying in Japan, Totoro is like Winnie the Pooh. Mickey Mouse. Like It's like that level. Yes, right. Absolutely. There okay. has to have at some point been a Totoro beanbag chair produced. Right? There is. Yes, there is. There is? There is. That I've must seen be it. so pleasant. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, let's get one. You're just like, that's, that's nice. I kind of would like ne- to get one. <laughs> That'll be your next birthday present. Oh, oh we got to do present corner. Oh. Because okay. right. we, we, David's was- got a new hobby, a new collection that he's starting. <laughs> Are you talking about the soda cans? Yeah, David's got a weird hobby that he's into All right, now. so this is from a while ago. <laughs> really weird. This is David, this is a weird hobby you have. So, can you remind me music. Can you remind me how this started because I don't we were the three of us were texting. We have a text thread. Yeah. That, that sometimes we're one friends. of us we have a text thread. Yeah, Give we it just a break. Text. One of us text. will throw in a subject that's like I feel like you two guys are exactly, the audience for like, this right. thing I've been thinking about. Exactly. Like only this text thread can hear this thought. And right, I think right. JD was the one who initiated and just said, "Can we talk about how weird Steve Carell's career is as a leading man yeah so we like he has about been career. a bankable leading man i think it was in that 2018 like beautiful boy what were the welcome other to marwin, welcome to marwin. And vice. yeah right where it was like people yeah studios keep being like well how do we work corral into this? but jd's argument was he's been bankable for over 10 years now yes as a leading man yes almost exclusively playing uh uh arrogant creeps or sad sex Right, 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 right. Which is funny because he can be lovable. Totally. Uh, and yet he I forget seems why we're even talking about this. That's the minority of his I think it was just role. because of Marwin and stuff like that. You're it was just because like, there was a lot of Corel. He had three movies come out in three right. months, and he hosted SNL, so he was like kind of omnipresent. And we were just talking about what a weird fucking career he and had. And then we were texting each other photos of him in yeah. prosthetics from... Uh, he did press for Despicable Me 2 in garish prosthetics <laughs> as, as Gru. Right, right. But then we were saying, like, it's weird how big his career has been in different ways. Right. It's also weird that, like, now The Office is humongous. Right. And now The Office is the uh, most also, watched TV ben show. Ben is in the corner with his head bag vaping into the sky. So then I was talking about, like, how weird it is that he did, like, this Get Smart movie that was a summer blockbuster that they threatened to make a sequel to for, like, eight years. Yeah. They kept, I mean, like, they're trying to schedule it. It, like, crept over $100 million, but it was hardly, like... I believe it made a hundred and. Thirty? Yes, you're crazy. One hundred thirty. Right. Not very well overseas, unsurprisingly, because that that ha- nobody knows what Get Smart is overseas. But like right. a big hit, hit, and they were like, "We'll keep making these." And I was like, "For a guy who usually plays such odd characters, yeah, and has not been a character actor, but has been a movie leading man, it is so weird that at the peak of this Get Smart thing, he was like on soda bottles, right? Because there was a limited promotional Sierra Mist flavor called." Undercover orange. Right. Because it didn't look like it was going to be orange, and then you sift it, and it was secretly orange. Okay, so we discussed this. Yes. We had this discussion. Yeah. Yes. The discussion ended. And then about six days later. I went about my life. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Seeing movies in Brooklyn. Uh Uh-huh. Not seeing movies in 40X. What a sad life. (laughs) Yep. And then, ding dong. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that at the door? Oh, the the postman. Ding dong, ding dong. It's the mailman. He's brought the mail. What's it? Oh, a package. I don't know this seller. Cooper <laughs> just banging the table like a child who wants dinner. I want more. Um, 
Uh, pack, and it's, you know, when you get a package, you're usually like, oh, yeah, I remember I, I ordered a thing. Right, you know? And you're like, hmm, don't know what this package is. But often I get promotional packages from TV shows or whatever, right? So maybe it's one of those. Here's another thing I'd imagine. Most times you get a package, you go, hmm, some real weight to this thing. <laughs> this I can feel light one. an object. This is a light one. <laughs> Open the package. Inside is a tennis ball tube. A tube to hold tennis balls. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's a tennis tennis ball tube inside a box. So at this point, I'm like, 50-50, this is a bomb. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Where I'm like, I did not order this. I don't know what it is. It's clearly not promotional material. The director of some movie you panned is finally cracked. Is this something fucked up? You know, because like, why would I? And then I open the tennis ball tube, and inside are three cans of Sierra Mist, uh, undercover orange, but they are empty. Flavor. No, but that's the thing. So I'm like, okay, this is JD sent the cans. Yes. He found. He must have found them on eBay <laughs> that someone was selling. Has kept them for ten years, and they're sealed. Right, but they're completely empty. <laughs> now they haven't been opened. They no holes, no abrasions. Just, You've noticed no. Are they so old? Is that a thing that the soda just goes away? Like and I don't know. Absorbs into the metal. So I get these. I alert you to the fact that I got them and that they are empty. Three soda cans. I essentially just tell you, you just paid whatever you paid for this. And believe me, it wasn't worth it because they are useless. (laughs) I paid to send garbage from the UK to David. Exactly. But you still have them, right? I think they're somewhere in my house. I believe it was international Uh, shipping (laughs) to send someone else's garbage from 10 years ago. garbage. Like decades ago. What needs to be done to them is recycling. Like that's all that needs. They're aluminum. They need to be recycled. This. Then, months later, <laughs> I get another package. JD, please take it away. I didn't I know about even... this one. Oh, you don't know about this? I don't think I know about this one. Well, David, why don't you tell your experience of opening it? I got another fucking package of promotional cans from JD Amato. <laughs> I remember what More the cans I was hoping you remembered. I think, let me look it up. Yeah. I got to figure out what I sent David. Well, because I wanted to, now that David's got a collection of... um movie branded cans I wanted to keep the collection going <laughs> it's so weird that he's become so into collecting movie cans yeah. um, like he's against got... his own will oh, oh. <laughs> he's obsessed, <laughs> he's obsessed. <laughs> oh wait oh wait I remember what I said <laughs> go on go on look at the title <laughs> look at the title of the what it says <laughs> Okay, so no spoilers, but it just has order delivered. Dr. Pepper, three empty cans. Okay. And they are, they are, uh, <laughs> from the Dr. Pepper tie in with Spider Man 2. So do you have an Alfred Molina can now? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember, but yes, I remember that now that they were Spider Man 2. Both <laughs> times I'm disappointed because the can is good enough that uh-huh. you're like, I drink this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dr. Pepper? I love Dr. Pepper. So now David has three empty Dr. Pepper cans. Well, I mean, so far, 40 East 34th Street, Thank Suite you. 1401, New York, New York. I was about to suggest this. If anyone uh, oh wants to God. send, look up the zip code. they have to be tie-ins. They have to be movie tie-ins, and they have to be cans of soda. But you better empty them. <laughs> they got to be empty. <laughs> if, if you find if, them if and they're soda, full. we're sending them back. <laughs> If you find them, return to sender. sender. Here's the thing. If the seller is selling them full, then you have to have them delivered to your house, 
You have to find a way to tap those cans, and then you can send but them. But there can be no evidence that you've tapped them. <laughs> if David can find any evidence that they've been opened. We're sending it back. I'm the expert on this. <laughs> and give that address one more time. Okay, the address is 40 East 34th Street, New York, New York, 1016. And the oldest movie cans you can find, the better. Definitely. But if they're new, that's fine, too. David loves them all. So we, just we put would love... care of David Sims. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, the sweet number is 1401. If, if we can get like a sarsaparilla can with Topsy on it, oh that would be God. the oldest possible a can, movie A can movie of uh, old, old Dr. Mitchell's coca drink <laughs> with Topsy Alpha being electrocuted to death on it. If we can get a can of just Dr. Brown's Cell Ray with Fanny Bryce on it. If we, can, if we can get a tab can with Keiko the Whale on it, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, JD sent me a 10-foot-tall vinyl banner. That was the teaser poster from Ang Lee's Hulk. It's 10 feet by 6 feet, I believe. I spent three weeks trying to figure out who sent it to me because <laughs> there was no heads up. That's the thing. Both times with me the same way. Yes. No heads up, right. no alert. But unlike with the cans, at least I could trace it thread. to him. Right. I'm sort of yeah. like a Totoro of movie mer- merchandise. Three weeks later, JD said, did you get my present? And I said, <laughs> oh, fine. I figured it out. Uh, but and- it is, it's like meant for like giant movie theaters where they have enough ceiling height that they can hang them from the rafters. It's a legit banner. It's 10 feet tall. It is taller than my apartment. What's up, JD? How's it going, man? Oh, nothing. I just I just wanted to call because I felt like I did a bad job on the episode because I was in sort you of a silly You didn't do a mood. bad job. No. Well, I think you're you're overthinking it. I just, I love, My Neighbor Totoro is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I felt like I came in in a goofy mood. And I feel like you're probably going to have to cut a bunch of stuff. And I just, I just felt bad, Ben. And I just want to say how much I love that movie. And I love your guys' podcast. And I like being on it. And I just, I'm sorry that I probably gave you extra work by being all over the place. Well, thank you, JD. We love having you on the show. I think you're a great, funny guy. And, um... Yeah, let's just like get into the episode. Let's just let the fans decide. I just listen. I love Totoro so much. I mean, I called you beforehand. How much you did? Oh yeah. Well, actually, and I didn't. We didn't fit that in to the episode where I was because I was going to set up playing that clip. So why don't we say now that at the end of the episode I'll play that clip? The oh, it's my voicemail. You have my voicemail. Yeah. Honestly, JB, Dislington? It's pretty funny. Um, no, the episode's good, JD. Okay. All right. I trust you. I promise. Thank you, Ben. Have a Thank good day. You. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Later. Bye. What do, you, what, do you, what do you want help from the blankies on? I'd like them to help me with the, jur- the Queen's Jury dur- Duty Challenge. It's something that you helped me with. Okay. Both of you did. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, so, yeah, right. I remember mm-hmm. this. I had jury duty, and the last time I was in jury duty before that, they played Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> for everyone. And I live in Queens, so jury duty is about like 600 people gathered from all walks of life who all gather and wait in a room, and they play a movie for them. And the one time that I went, they chose Mrs. Doubtfire, and it was a hit. Right. Everybody <laughs> loved it. Such a quotable movie. And it just, it hits all things. So the question that I posed to the blanket community, and I posed to Griffin and David separately, is what is the perfect jury duty movie? 
It is a movie that A, uh, needs to entertain all ages and backgrounds. Mm-hmm. B, not contain anything offensive that would mm-hmm. offend anyone. And C, it cannot contain anything that would contaminate a possible juror for a case that they're about to sit on. <laughs> so, that is the question. Here's the answers that I got at the time. I got Inside Out. That was David. He was pushing for that. Mm-hmm. Shrek, Father of the Bride, Catch Me If You Can, Jurassic Park, The Greatest Showman. That was Griffin. Yeah, a League of Their Showman. Own. I was proud of that one. I thought yeah. that was a really good pick. Yeah. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Captain Ron, although... My only beef with Showman was like, the, the real legacy of E.B. Farnham is, uh, is, Not so good. is a hot button. But, but I think that's what makes it the perfect jury duty movie is it's like we scrubbed everything from it. Yeah. Um, I think My Big Fat Greek Wedding probably held that spot for a solid eight years straight. Yeah. I think we're just out of that movie's reign of dominance. Right. Uh, the Majestic said Rob Malone, and I think The Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. So think of what is the best jury duty movie? Here's the other thing I need help with. You have to send it to David. You have to send it to David. It has David, to be care of David. It has to go to David. All this has to go to David. It could be a postcard. It could be a letter. I have recently joined Letterboxd. Oh, sure. I didn't have, do I follow you? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Because Letterboxd, I guess, doesn't really alert you when like your friends join. Yeah, exactly. Right? Also, I don't them. do the other social media, so it wouldn't know that we know each other. But... Okay, David's lost his mind. Now he just made a face that was not consistent with the situation we were in. What's your profile? Like JD Amato? Yeah. Um, There you are. Yeah, there I am. So there is a a list that I'm trying to curate of a type of film that I... It's a good uh, list. A a film that features... Which one were you looking at? Movies that contain hideouts with skateboarding and or arcade machines. Yes. So there is a trope in cinema uh-huh. that I'm trying to trace. <laughs> I think it might be a dead trope, but there was a moment there in the early 90s when first it was live action alive Ninja Turtles, and breathing. Correct? Okay. Uh, yes. se- second he has here, but I would say the first. Uh, it's the second one that has it, doesn't it? You know, no, I've never seen one. Ooze, but the first one definitely first has one it. first one has it. I have seen both. It's been a long time. Because the Foot Clan have one with skateboarding and stuff like that. That's yeah, the first yeah, one, I believe. Yeah. Is that the first one? That's the first one. I've never seen Ooze, so it has to be the first one. Maybe it's both. Hook, it might be in both. Double I've, Dragon. Hook, uh-huh. Double Dragon, the Power Core, and the Double Dragon. They have a place with skateboarding arcade machines. Rumble in the Bronx, Jackie breaks into a place that has mm-hmm. a bunch of arcade machines and yeah. pool tables and things like that and fights them. And then Hook, obviously, the Lost yeah, Boys skateboard a lot. Yeah. I'm looking for other movies that contain, it's probably going to be 80s, 90s, that contain yeah. clubhouses where there's skateboarding and arcade machines. And it's the idea is like this is like the the coolest place for these either rebels or bad guys or whatever to hang out. Do you out. think Richie Rich has that in it just by, you know. I was thinking blank check. Interesting, but I, is it a clubhouse or is it just the. A room in the mansion. Right. It might be if, if there's borderline. Mo- yeah. If there's multiple kids in it, I think it counts. Okay, Richie Rich doesn't he have something like that? I just said that. Oh, yeah. sorry. God, it's like you're not even listening. I think to that's wasn't listening. I'll put that down, Richie Rich. <laughs> I think Richie Wait, Rich. You've I remember t- that you've been tuning out these two. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely stuff. Much like Rich. I assume our listeners. Once he like <laughs> makes human child friends, he's like, "Come right. over. I've I built a that, room for you." I remember that he has a McDonald's. That's the thing. Like, everyone. Oh my God! You have a McDonald's in your house. Like that's like the whole thing. Yeah. Which now seems imagine being the staff member that had to work there at that McDonald's. Well, I mean, on the plus side, it's kind of like when you're like the fire department yeah. that's on City Island where it's like, look, 
There's like three fires a year. I mean, yes. mostly we just kind of like make chili. It's like, like exactly. it's like Barbara Streisand's <laughs> underground shopping mall. Right, right. You, you know about this, right? No. Barbara Streisand loves shopping, but she is so famous now that she can't do it anymore. So underneath her home, she has built an underground recreation of a shopping mall with employees where there are many items in multiple sizes and large quantities, and she can pick what she wants to buy. Weird. Well, I, there's like that Michael Jackson thing where they rented out the grocery store yeah, and then hired people to act like other grocers to walk around so that he could have the experience of being in a grocery store. She just wants to be able to go into her he's basement. He's normal, right? MJ? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's normal. Yeah, totally he's fine. dead. Yeah. Uh, Is that not normal? <laughs> pretty abnormal. Yeah, 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 right. I don't know. I don't like dead people. Um, she will go into her underground shopping mall and be like, do you have this in gray? And they're like, no, sorry, we're out. And she wants that experience. And then she shakes and her head shakes and the person's eyes start bleeding she's like i said do you have this in gray like, no but that's the weird yes thing. yes ma'am is it's like barbara streisand's version of bdsm is like rather than just getting all the clothing items she wants she wants to be able to replicate the experience of not necessarily being able to find what she wants in her size or her color right i i just think that's amazing i love it yeah i love it i was looking for a more interesting word but i ended up on it. amazing is a good one yeah Anything else on the old chapters? The last thing <laughs> is I made a list of, because I wanted to talk NBA with David. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, but okay, I, knew Griff, I knew Griffin yeah. wouldn't like it. Yeah. So I made a list of every current NBA player that has ever been in a movie. Okay. Wow. So not that many. Okay. Uncle Drew. Rajan Rondo was in Just Right. Okay. Vince Carter, like Mike. Tony Parker was an asterisk at the Olympic Games. Wow. Uh, uh, John Wick 3, Parabellum. Uh, yeah, Boban Marjanovic yeah. was in. Uh, Blake team. Griffin was in a bunch of stuff. The female brain being one of them. Dwight Howard was in Just Right as well. Freebird, Three Stooges, Aaron Gordon, Uncle wow. Drew, Kyrie Irving, Uncle Drew, LeBron James, and Trainwreck, and Kevin Durant and Thunderstruck. And I think that's it for NBA players that wow. have been in movies. There's got to be more. current, current, current NBA players. Yeah, because I was going to currently say. in the league. Current. Oh, current. The dog's name from Airbud. We should see what his star meter is. Buddy. Did you know IMDb won't let you search by animal? What? Do you think, okay, here's a side, here's a tangent. First tangent of the episode. First tangent of the episode. <laughs> do, you Go think, on. do you think CGI animals replacing animal actors is good or bad for the industry or for animals at large? I think it's a multifaceted question. I think it's good for animals. I think it's bad for the industry. Um, no, I'm going to say this. I'm going to correct this. I think it's good for animals. I think it's good for the industry. I think it's bad for the art form. Got it. And ultimately, I think on a humane level, the first two outweigh the third. But I do think movies suffer because of it. Okay. David? Griffin's take seems fine to me. I like Uh, the good old days. I think writing an article right now. Yeah, I'm like totally. I like the good old days where like a lion could just scalp beyond the bond. Yes, that's one of the great. Ben, have you seen Roar? No. We saw that together, right? Oh, yeah. Ben, this is your movie. What's it about? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Tippi Hedren, star of the birds. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, fell in love with a man who uh, worked in the peripheries of the entertainment industry but was obsessed with lions. Oh, I've heard of this. And he was like, we should make a lion yeah. movie that really captures the majesty of lions. He had lions living in the house. It was Tippi Hedren, a then uh, teenage Melanie Griffith, and this man whose name I'm forgetting. 
I forget what his name is. Um, and they had lions living with them, and they would, like, invite them in and do, like, People Magazine photo shoots that were, like, them lounging in the living room with lions and being like, look, lions are beautiful. We can coexist. And he was like, I want to make a movie about this family living with lions. So he made a very loosely scripted movie in which the three of them play the exact same roles they had within that family that shot within their house, but he brought in a real film crew, and it was a disaster. It shot for, like, three years. People he, were mauled constantly. Jan right. de Bont, who later became the director of Speed. Okay. But before that was, like, the cinematographer of Die Hard. Like, one of the most important people in the last 30 years of action filmmaking. Sure. That was one of his first films, and he was literally scalped. A line what? bit his head off. They reattached it. Sure. Because he, he went on to make Speed. Yes. Yeah, he bit his head off. And well, first he just kept it and then sort of shook him around. Wait, a did bit. he? Was he involved in Face Off? Maybe he got an idea there. No, he scalp was involved off. in Scalp. Scalp Off. <laughs> That's the movie where John Travolta and Nicolas Cage swap haircuts. Guys, I am so out of it. I obviously What's wrong? know. I know What's about wrong? Ro- I don't know. Do we have more to say? I feel like Totoro is like here's the thing about one Totoro. of the ten most important movies ever made, and I'm worried we talked about it for about twenty minutes. All right, let's, I'm well, like genuinely worried about it. Okay, yeah. Here's, in, the, in the same way that Totoro like, is only in ten, it's ten arguably in one of the ten most important. Make films your stump ever speech made. then. I believe, no, I'm just. I think, I'm like. I, th- I, I even I, though there are Miyazaki's, I prefer. Mm. I it just feels like maybe the most important animated movie. Make of all this time. argument. I believe it is. I don't think there's a boot movie that's better at capturing like yes being a child. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm like when I'm uh, I'm looking at you and staring because I'm processing. I'm like. What would the rivals be to that? I I truly that's Little why Fugitive, one of my favorite movies of all time. That's little sort rascal. of up there. <laughs> little fan, of course. The little Rascals, Sandlot, uh, <laughs> Richie Rash. <laughs> about the joy of being a child. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Jack, I, uh, I would say <laughs> Jack, of course. Of course, he's, he's, you know, young at heart. Uh, insomnia, hide. of course. Benjamin of course, Button, that kind of worse than a reverse. But. Honey, I blew up the kid. <laughs> yeah. Right, he's very big, very big. I love that. Uh, honey, uh, I shrank the kid. Honey, I shrank the audience. <laughs> honey, we shrank ourselves. Okay, here's I generally believe. Mm. I mean, it's my number three movie of all time. Sure. And it's, I believe, the best animated film of all time. Right. Uh-huh. And I believe it is the high point for Miyazaki. Um. I know there's other people that love like Mononoke or the movie, but I truly believe that this is the exact combination of his skill as an animator and a visionary and telling a story that is uh, relatable to all of humanity. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I know this I is do. an overall theme for this miniseries, but we haven't covered many directors who have this phenomenon. And I always find this fascinating in any sort of art form, any sort of performance, any sort of creative field. The people who seemingly. Uh, are like tortured by doing the thing that they're great at. Yeah. Constantly want to leave it behind. And then every time they do realize they know nothing else. Like they seemingly have this relationship where every time they're like, I can't do this any longer. And then when they're away for a table for like a minute, they're like, fuck, something's like calling me back. Right. Yeah. Cause Miyazaki famously keeps having films that he's like, this is my last one. Sure. Yeah. I'm done. And then right. it's like, okay, one more. Um, it seems like it's a very torturous process for him well he did say in this interview it's his final line in the interview i experienced tremendous happiness when i was making this film so this might have been an outlier for him yeah it's also interesting something to note about miyazaki too is that he has a tenuous relationship with japan as a country as his home country Mm -hmm. uh he's constantly talking about how at certain times of his life he's like i hate japan i don't like japan i don't let it 
and talking about post-war Japan and having all these feelings about the cinema post-war Japan. It's like, it's very interesting. And so this was a movie where he talks about having falling back in love with his home country and where he grew up and that idea of land and mm-hmm. home being this thing that's really important. So you think of a lot of his other movies, it's a lot about not being home. Mm-hmm. It's a lot about being mm-hmm. out away from things. And so this one is very about like, it centers around a home, a place that all feels comfortable and safe. And I think that's also an interesting aspect of it too because it feels like one of the few times where he reckons with some of those feelings. Here's a Miyazaki phenomenon that I find fascinating that uh, why not talk about it here? Yes. Um, because of tensions between China and Japan and because yes. of China only becoming yes. a real major film market recently, all of his films have been seeing release in China for the first time in wide theatrical releases. They're not re-releases. They're like, finally, the gates are open. And all of them have been doing crazy well. And in fact, Toy Story 4 underperformed in China, a country where Toy Story does not have much of a cultural right. legacy, and was just fucking whooped by Spirited Away, right. which was like top of the box office. Spirited Away, a movie that's like 15 years old, right. was playing like a blockbuster in China. And it's this thing that we've been talking about a little bit in different episodes where it's like, for how voracious a film market China has become, and for how much American studios are trying to chase China, they have pretty wide and varied tastes. Yes. Like, we talked about, like, Shoplifters and, like, Capernaum were, like, huge fucking hits in China. Like, there are foreign films that are being released in China that are difficult art house films that are playing like blockbusters. There are old Japanese animated films that are playing like blockbusters. Like, they're not just, like, give us whiz-bang, give us franchises. Yes, right, right, right. Even though the, the franchises do well there, there seems to be, like, at the same time that it's, like, exploding as a commercial film market, there is, like, a new appreciation for film as an art form. I wonder if I can find that. I'm that I'm very jealous can. of. Well, here's something that, I, that ties into that also yeah. is uh, I think Totoro is specifically very interesting because— I think when people think of, especially people that have not seen My Neighbor Totoro, like Ben, before you... Yeah, we're going to do that box office weekend. That's more interesting. The Chinese one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because it came out like a year ago? Yeah, it was very 18? recent. Yeah. Uh, December 2018. Yeah, wow. Before you saw this movie, what did you think it was about? They had mentioned that you could find a magical mo- monster in the woods. Right. If you left the house one day, you might just be lucky. So all I knew was that there was like a big monster. Right. And so, I feel like between And he was all, a neighbor. Yeah. Yes. Well, I saw that in the title and I was like, okay, so they're friendly monsters. Sure. But like through all the merchandising and all of the sort of depiction of Totoro, because it's become the sort of Mickey Mouse of yeah. uh, Studio Ghibli, is I think it gets reduced into being like a Mickey Mouse, a Disney kind yeah, of thing. Mascot. Where it's like, oh, there's a mascot. It's a fun thing. But I do think this is a film that is beyond that. And I think that's why, like, for some people, it's easier to take movies ser- more seriously that are, like, Spirited Away or other movies where it's like, oh, this is an, an adult story told through the lens. It's like, this, for some people, I think, feels like it is a kid's story mm-hmm. that is for children. But I would press you to think of it's an age group that would watch this film and not love it, right? This is a film Six that I think works for everybody. Yeah. But I'll say, too, I mean, you speaking about sort of, like, the perception this movie has— I, having seen it as a six-year-old, was like, 
Totoro is like barely in it. It's mostly the kids being sad about their right. mom. And Totoro's only got like a few scenes and they're kind of quiet and like melancholy. Mm. And I in my head was like, I must have been an impatient kid and I sure. misremembering. There has right. to be a lot more Totoro, even if it takes a while for him to come in. No. But it never does sort of become that E.T. symbiotic. He's right. the key to the whole movie. No, he, he serves no real plot function. It's not right. like at the end they're like, Totoro has the thing that we need. To do the thing. Like, but you know, I think that's the cat why- bus shows up and takes him around, yeah. which is great. And that the biggest conflict in the movie is, like, did she run away? Yeah. And and I was like, oh, is there now going to be some trite thing where, like, she has to use Totoro to find her sister? But it's so pointedly not that. No. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I think is important about this movie, too, is it is a wildly successful film that is a beautiful film. That also touches on all these things that filmmakers talk about believing in, but mm-hmm. rarely stick to, which is mm. the idea that this is about moments and experiences. It's not a story with villains and bad guys and good guys. Because how many people talk a big game like that, myself included? And sure. then when it comes time, they're like, well, right. it's like, well, you know, we, we need, need a bad a guy. We need a prop. Right, we need a right. thing. How do we keep the audience engaged? And this is a movie that it flies by. And every moment you are engaged, but it's not because you're like, uh-oh. I agree. This I is going to happen. I so I, 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 that's why I think it is one of the most important films of all time. I, I just think it's fascinating that like 30 years later that can get a wide release in a new country and people are like, yep, 100% down. And removing the cultural ubiquity of that character as an icon, it's not an obvious crowd-pleasing film. But then even just sort of reading, and this was before Miyazaki had like, you know, sort of had – finally developed this reputation in the States when he was still this kind of like secret, like, do you know Somewhat there's this culty. guy in Japan? Right. Yeah. Fox apparently made $60 million off of the VHS in 1994. Right. That's insane. Or 95. Like it was like a big fucking success for them. Right. I also, I take kids. Yeah, but I mean, think about uh, how much kids stuff doesn't work on that level. I understand that was like a VHS boom. Yeah. And I know... The moment when the Miyazaki film started coming out on DVD also totally coincided with peak DVD boom. Yeah. When Disney got yeah. the rights, it was like the height of DVD sales. Right. When people were just like, I got this machine. Like, right. yeah. I, let me own these DVDs. But it also was this fascinating thing. special features? Uh, G-Kids, who now has all yes. the Ghibli rights. Yeah. Uh, I, I was talking to the guy who runs it, and he was like, that's the thing that's really fucking saved us and kept our lights on. Because of the fact that he doesn't allow them on streaming, that you can't rent them digitally, they perform so much better than most physical media. Right. Like, it's like they always had their solid performance chunk, and then everything else has gone down right. in the same way that, like, Weird Al Yankovic now charts number one, but he's like, but these are the lowest album sales I've ever had. <laughs> right, right. It's just that my audience has stayed consistent. It's like you can go to any Walmart, any Best Buy, like any super mass retail big box that still has a physical media section, and they will have every Ghibli movie, even if otherwise their selection has become more and more sparse. Right. Because there is this like sense of like these are fucking special and they continue to sell. I would contend mm. that I take a little bit of umbrage, especially in these lists and this and that when people talk about the best films of all time. And it's like always like, Beauty and the Beast or mm-hmm. whatever. like it's always Beauty and the Beast? When they always. talk about animated films, it's, yeah. all, it's always these like classic American films. And Totoro and things like that are up there. But yeah. I believe those films age. And I think this is a film that doesn't really age. I think so. Too. I think that's fair about Beauty and the Beast. And, I mean, we're going to talk about Kiki soon, Griffin. Yeah. Which is a movie that came out the same year as Little Mermaid. Uh-huh. And is like a fascinating. Talk about Kiki next week. 
uh, yes, on this podcast, yeah. yes, and is a fascinating comparison yeah. to it. Yeah, uh, and uh, and does feel a little more like applicable to now. Whereas the Little Mermaid, when you watch it, I love that movie. Yeah, but you're like, Jesus Christ! Like she never even met the guy, and she's fucking selling her voice. You know, like there are things where you're like, oh, if I showed this to a kid, I'd maybe want to talk to them well, about like right. gender roles and things. You know, like princesses and like yeah, they, you know. shit. And I'm sure we will have talked about this in the Lion King episode. Sure. After we've seen the movie in 4D <laughs> But I did. <laughs> I was very much a kid who was like on the Disney tip. Yes. Totally yes. bought into the like the the sales pitch of the Disney magic. You know, like this is Disney's 33rd original completely animated film. Like I would like be like selling the line. You weren't just right. you didn't just want to see Disney. Yeah. You knew the Disney marketing lingo. Totally. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have very little nostalgia for any of those movies, mm. and especially the Renaissance ones, which were coming out at the time that I was that target audience. Yeah. I would rewatch far less than the early ones, the okay. ones that were more sad and more slow. The new ones that came out, I would see them. I would love them. I would freak out. I'd buy the soundtrack, this and that. And then, like, six months later, they would fade. Yeah. And I know I'm in a minority there because right. most of these have had more stickiness with people. But I did, like, a rewatch of a bunch of them uh, five or six years ago when Netflix briefly had, like, the majority of the Renaissance movies streaming. Right. And the one that I think is my favorite from that Renaissance run from, like, whatever it is, 89 to, uh, you know, 99, if you want to say, you know? Right. Is Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is simultaneously the one that has aged the best and aged the worst. Which I haven't seen that one in years. The best stuff in Hunchback is incredible because mm. it has so much fucking integrity and so much commitment to what it's doing. And then the stuff that's like Disneyfied, that movie stands mm. out so hard. And there's shit like Jason Alexander as the wisecracking, womanizing gargoyle right. that could only happen in that one specific year that it came out. Right. And you're just like, this holds up horribly. Right. But But Miyazaki movies, Ghibli films don't, have that like they don't feel connected to that moment in which they came out in that same sort and they of way. never had the person who was like can there be a wisecracking gargoyle in Totoro or what you know, we right, need to yeah. make it more like this we need to hire this musician can there to be do a this? funny there dog a right, right yeah. we have to update this from what the original story was or yeah here's another thing that I think is interesting that also I think taps into some of the like um not having anything controversial to say about this movie right and it's changed a little bit in recent years with documentaries, but um, I don't think Miyazaki is someone that holds the same intrigue or drama or public persona that a lot of the blank check directors do in the sense that. Well, but he does, though. But like, he, I feel like he does now. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying, like, his personality is becoming more and more out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm less, like, you know, when you talk about Tim Burton, it's one thing to be like, oh, and then is this, and he's this, and he's making this choice. Yeah. With Miyazaki, it's sort of, and maybe it's this may be an American perspective, someone that's just away from that and does not have exposure to that. But it feels like him as a person feels like less of a presence in the culture outside of his movies. And so the films are able to stand on their own. And so I feel less of a discussion that I need to have where it's like, oh boy, here's this person making this crazy choice. And but this you is this know point what's in there. Really sure. interesting about him. He is a mogul within his own film industry, but he's yes. a right. mogul who is seemingly uninterested in business and money. Right. Like, my dad was talking to this G-Kids guy. Well, we, we ran into him at a screening, right? Yeah. My dad knew him. I didn't know him when I was talking to him because I'm a, a dumb animation nerd, as David would say. And I had right. all these questions. Right. And my dad was, like, overhearing, and he was like, wait, he doesn't let his movies on streaming? And the guy was like, no. And my dad was like, but when's he going to change on that? 
Right. And he was like, he's never he's going not gonna to change. I mean, it may yeah. be when he dies. And my dad was like, what do you I mean? mean? And yeah. he was like, the G kids guy was like, he has a modest house. Right. And he's happy with his life. Right. And he's not the best guy. No. No. To this work is what for I'm saying. He seems with. like kind of a tough guy. And also yes. this. Not as tough as Takahata, who has the real reputation. I yes. guess when I was Had. talking about these right. people who like the thing that they seem so naturally good at seems weirdly torturous for them. I find that those people also have an arc where it's like when they start out, it's pure joy. And then every successive time they have to do another project, it takes more out of them and the joy diminishes yeah. to a weird degree. Like at first it's like, I love this. This makes me so happy. Like maybe Totoro is the peak of that for him. Right. And then it starts to be like more of this weird, like Faustian bargain. Okay. Not to make them sound tortured, you know? Right, right. But that it's right. like it, it it becomes less of a um, blissful, organic expression and more of a sort of like surgery for them to get these things out of their system. Right. And the fact that Miyazaki is like someone who has a complete blank check because it's his studio, because the films have such catalog value, mm -hmm. because they merchandise so well, mm -hmm. that he sort of can do whatever he wants. There's no sort of career machinations of I should do this type of movie now, I should do that. Seems to totally follow his muses. I know, which is funny considering that like there's a theme park based basically on the way he draws the world, right? right. You know what I mean? Like there are video games, there's you know, like there's a whole style of thinking. Right. You the know, balance between the ways in which he is really protective of his brand and the ways he isn't. I mean, he's kind of like Jim Henson in that sense. Because mm. Jim Henson had the same thing where he was like Look, there's going to be merchandise. I have to do it. It's a necessary. Sure, evil. he wasn't going to be holy about it because, like, yeah, right. But he talks a lot about like his like frustration with it, and then he was like, "Look, well, if I don't make it, someone else is going to make it. And if making it is a way to like you know endear, like strengthen the relationship between the children and these characters, then I just want to make sure that the merchandise is good and curated. I want it to be high quality, and I don't want it to be exploitative and like stuff like that, right?" It feels like Miyazaki's got that sort of relationship where it's also like, this is what keeps the lights on. Mm -hmm. If I sell enough Totoro plushes and continue to sell them for 15 years, I can make these other movies and I can let other people make these movies and this and that. Yeah. I um, need to read more about it, about yeah, how it all works. Very early on when we met yes. as friends, yeah. we were talking about this movie. Back in the TCGS days? Exactly. Yeah. Like at a, a Lincoln Park, the bar named after the band? We were walking to Lincoln Park. We would always go after hey. the show. And I said to you, you know, you know, the thing that I love the most about Totoro, and you said, David, I don't know what, what you're going to say, but I do know that this is why we're becoming such good friends. Like, you said something like, you remember this? Do you remember no, what I'm talking about? No, I don't about? remember it you know, at all. Like, you were like, I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm excited about the way that you asked that question, and I feel like it suggests, you know, great things ahead for us. I, feel I like love that. You yeah. and I had that moment early on where we were like, we both think that Jim Henson is one of the 10 most important artists who's ever yeah. lived. And you were like, oh, this isn't someone who likes the Muppets. This is someone who is like, has specific things yes. to yeah, say right, about. Right, right. Right. You, you realize that, right, it's that way It's not like, yeah. Kermit's cute. And Ben <laughs> yeah. and I were like, yeah. he's cute. Ernest is one of the greatest comedians of modern history. I'm like, the, the pen fit. That's one of the great. Ben has found a, some sort of Totoro beanbag plushie. What is that? Is so that great. full full size though? Oh, but he's got the little uh, the leaf. lotus leaf. There's, there's the Totoro beds. Oh, man. Full-size beds. David, I found a really good piece of Ghibli merchandise for you that you're going to get later in this miniseries. Oh, very exciting. It's a little thing, and I think you're going to love it. It's not going to be a cumbersome, burdensome, where do I put this thing? I which, love which soda the is other it? Thing, Joanna, I Joanna also adores these movies. I'll tell you. Which soda it is? 
don't want to spoil it. I'll tell you off jo- mic. Joanna also adores these movies, so I feel like you know, like it'd be less of an like it's less of a thing where like basically every day Joanna's like, when can we get rid of the Forky mask? Like you know, like is yeah. asking me that. Well, of course he's competition. Exactly. He's <laughs> just setting you up for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, all right. But oh no! But also, I was gonna say I saw this thing out in the wild. I walked into a store and oh, you saw, saw the this, the item. Okay. And Not I went, Totoro. holy shit, David! Would David like it if I got this for him? And then I saw. An element of the item I didn't notice at first, and I went, uh-huh. "I will be a bad that friend if I it. don't right. get that, this for David." So you have it, you're saying, but it hasn't appeared. Like Griffin, you got have me the a, item, but you're you haven't produced it. Yet. I haven't produced. Right. It. Okay. Griffin also got me a birthday present, and it was a uh, the worm from Labyrinth. Yes. One to one scale, a highly Very nice. detailed model. It's got we hair, were, uh, real hair. On it. the, it's not the plush one, which yeah. I have two of those. Yeah, no, but it's like a like a polystone yeah. kind of. Yeah. Um. So anyway, the thing I was going to say to you at Lincoln Park was that 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 right. The whole thing is, I feel like, at a five year old's eye level, yeah. like not only uh, story wise but visual wise. But mm. I feel like we said that. Yeah. But that was my big insight as we were walking to a bar on a Tuesday night at like midnight. It's hard Wednesday. when a movie is. It's, it's hard. Wednesday, Wednesday night. Tuesday was a uh, trivia. That was back when our weekend was Tuesday Wednesday. Remember we used to say that. Yes, like it, Tuesday was trivia. Wednesday was the two was nights. Show, the two it, nights. It's also late. crazy that uh, Gethard Show and Videology, like both, sort of like the same. yeah, yeah. Like, and I was true. like, those are my twenties. Yeah, yeah. My twenties were those two things. Yeah, the friendships connected to those two things. I those trivia nights were so fun. They were great. Yes. Um, here's the box office game from China. I'm gonna say this because I want to hold ourselves to it. I think we got to organize a trivia night. I know we've talked about we've before. We've said that. We were going to do it. one in videology right before it closed. Right. I think we just need to like fucking do we it. We can do it at Nighthawk maybe. I think we've discussed that maybe. Yep, blank check fans come out. That's the idea. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right, yeah. Do a fun one. We run it. Yeah. Our friends come. Fun one. Our fans fun one come. that we run. A fun a fun run. Alex fun can run. do a guest round. JD can do a guest round. Yeah, you know, yeah I know what my guest round will be about. I think, like, we can't commit to a weekly thing, but I'd like no, to be like just, every couple of months we might do a little we trivia. We do night. it. See how it goes. Uh, number one at the Chinese box office, December fourteenth, twenty eighteen. I think it might be the biggest hit of the year, biggest non-Chinese hit of the 2014? year. Twenty fourteen, eighteen, eighteen. Oh, twenty eighteen. So it's an American film. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Was it the number one American film at the box office? Did it overperform? Avengers. In China? No. So it's not uh, Infinity War. No. And it's not Black Panther. No. It's not a Marvel. No. Is it a Disney? No. It's not a Disney. No. It's. Going to be, and it's not Fate of the Furious. No, it is good. It's a good movie. Yeah, really. You said yeah, that yeah. with such satisfaction. Is it Aquaman? Aquaman was the number I one. Know. Okay, I, I was just like that movie did so insanely well in China. I was like, is that arguably China's biggest domestic, you know, American yeah. hit of the year? Let's find out. I still feel like the biggest American film in China is Fate of the Furious. Uh, no, but in 2018, I mean, I don't mean all I time. Know, I know, I know. Uh, but Infinity War was actually slightly more. Aquaman was the second biggest American okay. movie. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Aquaman. Movie, we both said this when we saw it. We were like, I don't know if this is going to do well here. It's going to do great in China. was surprised by how well it did here. did well everywhere. $1.1 billion, the highest grossing DC movie of all time. Wow. I yeah. believe. Yeah. Like, right? With a bullet? We When we did our Aquaman episode, we completely flipped the actual outcome in our predictions for that versus Mary Poppins. Yes, exactly. Maddie right. Poppins. Uh, she returned. God, that Rob Marshall, he must be so pleasant to work for because people sure like doing it. Have you guys ever been to England? 
Uh, what? <laughs> uh, number two is my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, get out of here, Ben. He's got to go get the mail. A bunch of soda cans already came in. Uh, number three is a uh, Indian film. So there's a lot of crossover there with yeah. Bollywood. Yeah. Um, inspired by the life of a famous social entrepreneur. A social entrepreneur? I don't know what. I mean, I'm just like, why would you know this movie? It's called Padman. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> but then the other two you'll know. This is all right. So okay. number four, okay. animated film. Um, I think Griffin was refused to see it. He has various hang-ups about it. Frozen mm. 2. No. No, no. Frozen 2 hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> Might have come out earlier in China. <laughs> Real early. Okay. Uh, an adaptation. Nutcracker in the Four Realms. No, but Christmassy. Oh. oh, oh, oh. I think you're talking about me, the Grinch. This is what the Grinch sounds like when voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Why are you so mad about it? He doesn't Why like would you Benedict hire does. Benedict Cumberbatch? You ever heard him trying to say penguin? Yeah, it sounds like how the Grinch would say penguin. Have you ever heard this? Hey, did you audition for this? Is this what's going on here? No, what angers me is that they paid him probably $2 million to seemingly do an impression of me when I don't want the Grinch to sound like me. <laughs> so you're mad that the Grinch sounded like you. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't know. I hate Christmas. <laughs> uh, have so you Benedict seen it? Cumberbatch could have been the Grinch. Have you seen it? No, I've refused the, to see it. The, the Grinch. The Grinch. No, I don't. I have no interest in the Grinch. All right, fine. Fair I'm enough. Sure, it's great. No one's seen the Grinch. JD is kind of the Grinch of Grinch movies. <laughs> Clearly. I'm the Grinch Grinch. The other movie <laughs> in the top 10 uh-huh. is, it's an American movie. I believe it had an Indian director. Hmm. was kind of a sleeper hit of 2018, like a small movie, a uh, very small scale. Mm. I saw this movie just on a whim with Emma Stefanski, and she can testify that I like spent the whole time just like squirming and oh, shrieking in oh, my seat. Oh, 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 oh! I know exactly what this is Fair from enough. your experiencing Fair this. Enough. This is the film searching. Yes, I mean, I saw. I gave myself 4DX watching that movie. Yeah, that yeah. movie rules. That movie's really good. I, I'm actually, I'm still jealous of you for putting John Cho in your best actor ballot. Hell yeah! Incredible performance. Yeah. Uh, very. Very demanding. Ah, that guy's so good. He is so good. Have you seen Searching? No. It's the movie that plays out entirely on a desktop screen. Oh, I've heard of this. It's you great. Would You'd love like it. it. Okay. It's very inventive. It's, it's, it's fun. Some people don't like the twist. I think the twist is great. I didn't I see the twist great. coming. No. Yeah. I think it's pulpy. I think it's really well made. I think John Cho is like, uh, he's, he's one of those guys who can do anything. I agree. Any genre, any size role. Did um, you guys know the sequel to Agent Cody Banks is Agent Cody Banks 2 Destination London? Mm-hmm. Yes, we knew that. Is there a Wait, reason? how did you know that? Well, I once pulled a Cody Banks of my own and made my destination London. What? Displing zing? <laughs> you already forgot. <laughs> Displing zing? Displing zing? Displing zing? Islington. <laughs> when I was. Displing zing? Displing zing? Oh, God. Uh, We're playing the Chinese box office game right now for a Japanese movie. You can't get mad at me after the shit you pulled on this episode, you maniac. (laughs) Give me that piece of paper. Give it to me now. Okay. God. You're like, I love Totoro, the greatest animated movie of all time. Great. Now let's talk about the NBA offs. The other thing you said was cancel all of your plans. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You said you were going to give us homework, and you never did. I didn't. I had a crazy Uh, week. (laughs) Fair enough. What was the homework going to be? Um, it was just going to be some things, some discussion topics, some of this stuff. We got the most of it. Okay. Can I just say, just because like I got to say it, 
Sure. And I can't talk about what it was, but I found out right before I came to record here that I didn't get a job that I thought I was going to get that would have had me in London for two and a half London. months. Yeah. And the bit potential. You're a real agent Cody Banks too. I know. The bit potential was like half the reason it you wanted like this job. It's so incredible. And I'm just like sitting here and like this has been a nice episode and I love but being here like, with some of my you're best You're like friend. folding up all these bits and like putting them in a, in a I suitcase. I am. Just like I yeah, started exactly. sort of like planning. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, go on, go on. No, I just thought it was going to be so, there was so much potential. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't get the gig. You guys have to do a live show in London. Do we? <laughs> yes. All right. So you can see it for the first time. And you can go watch a movie on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> David, David just threw a bag of subjects against the wall, picked it up, and threw it against the other wall. Uh, crazy. <laughs> Can't believe we're doing two of these tomorrow. And then you can do a segment called Big Ben, Little Ben. Well, that's the other where thing. Where Ben is, stands outside Big Ben. Right. Because we were panicked about him getting this job, we scheduled a shit ton of recordings, which is great. I we're mean, literally good. recording eight episodes within six days, I think. Obviously, this is an exclusive to the London job that I didn't get. If I get any job uh, that uh, takes me away for a little while, uh, this is possible. But just because it seemed kind of immediate and like it was going to happen, mm. was really excited to be able to experiment with shifting from ding dong to ring rings. You want another ad to put in there? Ding dong. <laughs> ring ring. Hi, it's me, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, no. If you come to Disney and say blankies, we'll let you piss in Pirates of the Caribbean. Mickey, it sounds like you've been hanging out with Ronald McDonald a lot. You got a similar oh, oh, yeah. energy going oh, yeah. on. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm JD. I have to leave the room. Hey, Kings, it's me, Ronald McDonald. Hey, it's me, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> David's waving us off. Okay. David's taking out a big vaudeville cane, and he's pulling. <laughs> David's doing a Sandman routine and, and Showtime at the Apollo wait, style. And we're back. <laughs> Top dance. Did you do the whole spiel at the end? No, I'm going to do it now. <laughs> okay, good. I've been J.D. Amato. This has been a 30-minute episode about my name Totoro because Ben had to cut everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where I'm like, keep the meat, and the meat is like one little yes. sliver of like, one slice of ham. Yeah, it's like when people have those sandwiches from like whatever. Uh, what's the place where you get sandwiches? Subway. Yeah, no, the place where. Never mind. Pass. I'm taking too much time describing this. Pass. <laughs> Next. Pret. 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 Never yeah. mind. Okay. I'm done. I love Totoro. Blanket. Thank it. <laughs> Guys. End it. You end it. It's your podcast. I'm a guest on this podcast. Stop yelling at me. I'm waiting for you to give me a window, David. You won't stop talking. (laughs) I'm just like, end it, end it. I can't end it if you keep on saying end it. Displinxing? (laughs) Displinxing? I'm going to the bathroom. No, stay. (laughs) David. What's your social media? (laughs) David, I'll stand. On what? Twitter. And... What about Instagram? You can't follow me on Instagram unless I know you. It's locked. Yeah. And that's why your follower counts pretty long. That's I, how I and want. I used to have a lot. And Joanna one day was like, can people see these pictures? And I was like, yeah. It's, yeah. And she was like, no. And yeah. I agreed with her. And email him some cans. Yeah. You got to email David some cans. And don't, <laughs> you don't, don't email them. Mail, mail, mail them. Mail, mail, mail them.
Ben, you're the producer here. You I'm a guest. It's if fla- you wrap flailing this up, in the wind right if now. If you wrap this up, we can watch the Top Gun We're Maverick trailer. We're trying to wrap it up. JD's begging the for Top us Gun to Maverick wrap- trailer. I can't do it if you're Someone talking about this trailer. Someone kill me. Someone kill me. You've got to give me a chance to end the episode. Someone end this. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Gura for our Ding social dong. media. Oh, let me see who this is. <laughs> no, go, go. Craig. <laughs> Oh my God! It's Joe Bone and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Thanks, Joe. Ding dong. Who's uh, this? Creek. It's Blinkies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Ring ring. <laughs> Let me pick this up. Who is it? Oh my God! It's T Public for some real nerdy shirts. Ding 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 ding. Let me check the Telegraph it's here. Hands in, uh, oh, it's Pokemon Patreon Go. where it's we're right. still doing Marvel commentaries because that shit never ends. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tune in next week for Kiki's Delivery Service with the great Caroline Framke. Right. Framke's back, baby. Framke's back, and she's here to talk deliveries. Hey, Jesus Christ, calm down. And as always, I love Totoro. What up, Haas? It's J.D. Amato. Um, I told you to call me before you watched Totoro, and I was on a call, so I missed your call. Um, and I just want to say this, if we don't talk before you watch it. I believe this is perhaps the best animated film of all time. It taps into a imaginative and simple and beautiful encapsulation of childhood that I think is lost in most modern media. So when you watch this movie tonight, I want you to do whatever you can do to make yourself comfortable, nostalgic, and transport yourself back what it was like to be a kid and that, that the thoughts and feelings and fears and ideas that you had as a kid and going to this movie just attaching to that identity of your childhood self and letting that that little kid come out um, because I think this movie really features things that make you feel like a kid and think like a kid and depicts moments and truth and honesty from the eyes of a child in a way that I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, so if you've got some real nostalgic weed that you have to smoke or some nostalgic edibles, hit those up. If you need to watch it alone in your bed, in your PJs, do that. Subs or dubs, whatever you want, Ben. I just think this movie is so delicate and beautiful and uh, I can't wait for you to watch it, and I can't wait to talk about it tomorrow. I hope you have a good day, and I will talk to you soon. Goodbye.